Yo, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the 20th episode of Obscure Mitch Podcast, the most obscure podcast in the world, where I talk to game developers, content creators, underground artists, inventors, and anything in between that. Today, I have a really, really dope guest today, man. This interview has been in the works for a cool minute. And it's just cool because I used to be in this person's chat, bro, like, you know, chat with this person, like, in their stream. So it's cool to actually have them on the fucking show. Um, without further ado, why don't you introduce yourself to everybody, who you are, what you're doing, where you're from. Hey, how's it going, guys? My name is Pride. Uh, I'm a content creator, streamer, video editor. I'm from Canada. I've been doing this for a long time. I used to be in teams like FaZe, Team Envy, uh, Team Parallel, and I'm currently in SOAR. And basically, the last 10 years of my life have evolved around gaming. And uh, yeah, here I am. What's up, man? <laughs> yeah, it's lit, bro. It's lit. So like, how's life treating you? Uh, life treated me good, man. I recently got my second contract ever with the team. So I'm finally doing what I want to do, you know, uh, make a living off gaming. So it's pretty cool. So gave me that opportunity. Uh, I'm just chilling, man. Yeah, that's that's fire. Bro. It's crazy because when we. This when I asked you to do the interview, this is before you had joined. So I think you were still in parallel. Oh, yeah, at the time. true. <laughs> well, it's crazy how like shit happens. But it's crazy. Like, I don't know. I like to. Uh, I don't know. Because the first person I ever interviewed was Sor Zephy. So it's crazy. Oh, really? Like, no way. Yeah, he was the first person I ever interviewed. Like, was somebody in Sor. And then I think the second person in Sor was, uh, I think it was Fameful. And now you're the third person. It's oh, crazy. yeah. That's dope, man. I, I had no idea you interviewed Zephy. What was that like? Uh, I mean, Zephy is an amazing person. Like, he recorded that podcast for me. This is, I was recording with Apple headphones, like, yeah. super low budget type shit. But, I think my interview skills were kind of ass. Like I was really shy. And <laughs> I was like on some fanboy type shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I'm always thankful for that interview. It's one of my favorite, but least favorite interviews at the same time, you know, because it's like, oh, yeah, I feel you. Yeah, it's like my first one. I'm super new to it, you know, but it's a, it, he, he did amazing. He was an amazing guest, like one of my favorite guests. Yeah, I would say there's a lot of people in the community that are that can kind of be changed a bit by their success. In the scene, I don't think Zephy's one of those people. You know, I spent a lot of time around people that are in phase, and you know, they make it really big on YouTube, Twitch, whatever. Uh, they wouldn't make time for something like this. Zephy's absolutely one of those people, man. I fucking love Zephy. Really cool dude. Yeah, it's like that in the underground scene too. Like a lot of underground artists, like mm -hmm. they're uh, shit. I don't want them to like, you know talk shit or anything, but like. A lot of people, bro, like they get to a certain level and they kind of just say like, fuck you type shit, you know, like, yeah, pretty much. Like, I don't got time for you. You're not, you're not a big deal. Like, that's just how it is. Yeah. I mean, it sucks and it makes sense, but I feel like you should treat everyone with some respect. Yeah. And you never know what can happen. That person who's nobody now could end up being huge a year later. Yeah. That's if right. you treat everyone equally, yeah, you might have a friend. Yeah. Who knows? Like, it's been, not to get too deep into myself, but it's been times where like, I ask somebody for an interview in the gaming scene or in the underground scene and I just get mm. left on red type shit. Like don't even reply back. Like I will love like somebody to just say no, you know, like, cause it's like, <laughs> I, I like that, bro. Like who, who told me no, not at the moment. I think, uh, chiefs was one of the people saying, no, bro, I'm not, I'm so focused right now. I just can't, I don't have the time to do it. And I completely understood that, bro. And I like when people do that. I just don't like when, yeah, I respect that. you know, somebody leaves me on red. Like, it's just kind of like, damn, bro. Like I'm not worth a, a response type shit. But, uh, I, I mean, to be honest, though, like, I've been there, 
there was a point in time when I was in phase and I had close to 50,000 followers. My DMs were flooded almost every single day. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just like, you just miss stuff. It happens. But sure. if you're somebody with like, I would say under 10,000 followers on anything, you see everything. Yeah. Like, I, I don't care how popping you are, you see everything. So anything below that, they should respond. But anything above, you know, it, I don't really blame them. Sometimes shit happens. Like, I have close friends that are doing pretty well on social medias and stuff. Sometimes they miss my shit, so I have to text them. And then they respond immediately, and then, yeah. yeah. It's just how it is sometimes. So don't take it uh, too hard. Don't <laughs> no, take it personally. I get what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it just happens, man. It sucks, but it happens. I remember you were saying you you grew up in Canada. So what was it like growing up out there? Um, Well, I was born in Serbia. Okay. And then I moved over to Canada when I was two years old. So yeah, I did grow up in Canada. You're right. And uh, it, it was pretty cool. I actually grew up in one of the most multicultural schools in all of Canada. I remember when we were like in second grade or whatever, uh, they gave our school an award. So that was really cool. So all around me, I've always been around so many different types of people and culture and stuff. And I have a very diverse group of friends. So I'm really grateful to be uh, raised in Canada, you know? You know, because I'm European as well, right? And with Europeans, um, they have a different mindset compared to normal Americans or Canadians, you know, that are born and raised here. And some of the stuff is kind of, uh, I don't really know how to say this. I don't want to be offensive. But Europeans have like a a one-way thought process, you know? Like stuff like uh, maybe your sexuality is not, it's non-negotiable for a lot of Europeans. You know, I mean, I'm straight myself, but they don't, they would not accept me or anyone else if they were gay, for example. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, growing up in Canada, things like that were things that are, became really easy to accept. And I was able to like break away from the norms because almost everybody in my family knows is against that type of shit. Almost every single person. So growing up in Canada and being around so many different cultures and like just the way people think and being raised here, I'm really grateful for it because it really opened my mind. And I'm glad I'm not like, the standard European. <laughs> I mean, people growing up now are are in a much better place than they were forty years ago. But yeah, I'm re- I'm really glad I was born in Canada. And I def- or, well, not born, raised. <laughs> I definitely see what you're saying because uh, yeah. So I'm Guyanese, which is in it's like a Caribbean oh, yeah. country, even though it's in South America. But yeah, in Caribbean countries like that, they're the same way to like people who may be a part of the LGBTQ community, like especially yep. in Jamaica, like they do not. They do not rock with that, which I I find it crazy. I feel like, you know, as a straight man, it ain't it ain't none of your business, you know what I'm saying? What somebody else is yeah, doing, exactly. you feel me? But um, so have you ever been back to Serbia? Uh no, I haven't actually. I've never been back there. I've never flown outside of Canada. I mean, I've traveled all over Canada though. <laughs> I've I've been uh all over Canada for sports because I used to coach a team. And uh yeah, other than that, never really went anywhere else. I do want to go back one day. Because I can speak the language not super well, but enough to get by. But uh, yeah, that's for the future. Okay, I hope this isn't annoying. But what's like, what's like a go-to like Serbian phrase or like something you could say in Serbian? A go-to Serbian phrase. <laughs> I think the most popular one is "jebise." Um, my pronunciation is not the best. Forgive me. That basically means "fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Sir, sir, listen, Serbians add that to almost every fucking sentence, man. It's like the, the way Serbians swear is uh, it's way more common than you and I and Americans and Canadians, you know? 
Uh-huh. It's like it's a part of daily life. Doesn't matter what age you are. They just cuss nonstop. <laughs> okay, so what was the phrase? Yeah. What was it? Uh, yebisa. yebisa. It basically means fuck you. Yeah. Yebisa. Yeah, and it, it's funny because there's a popular Serbian editor who used to be in Phase. His name was uh, Yebasu. It, it basically means the same thing. Oh, wow. <laughs> so his, his that was his name the whole time. And when I noticed that, I'm like, dude, are you Serbian? He's like, yeah. How'd you know? I'm like, your name. He's like, oh. <laughs> Yo. So yeah, his name was that the entire time, and fucking nobody knows unless you're Serbian. <laughs> yeah, that's dope though. That's fire. Yeah, it's sick. So what? sorry for cussing at you. Didn't mean it like that though. <laughs> you said what? I, I sorry for cussing at you. I didn't mean to cuss at you. Just, right. just you're good. Just the word is. You're good. So like, right. what? What? Um, what team were you coaching? Uh, I was coaching youth basketball, so I started coaching, um, because I wanted to get out, you know. Uh, there was a time in my life where I was in phase and I was really not happy with my life, right? So me and my brother decided we're going to go out, we're going to do stuff, we're going to get fit, we're going to get active and all this stuff. We decided to coach a youth basketball team and we got an opportunity to coach uh, a really good team uh, right off the bat somehow because they had an opening and we got lucky with no experience. We just knew the game, that's it. And we started coaching youth at 12 and we worked with them all the way up to 17. And then... uh yeah, throughout the years, our team got a lot better. We actually have a few guys that are going to Division One in NCAA. So we coach basketball, if I didn't mention that. So, uh, yeah, it was just a basketball travel team. Uh, it was pretty cool. Towards the end, it ended up being a paid position, which was really cool. Wow. Do you still coach basketball team? or? Uh, no, I stopped a few years ago. Okay. If you don't mind me asking, what, why'd you stop? Um, well, COVID made things kind of hard mm-hmm. <laughs> in Canada. The restrictions and stuff paying for gyms uh was a lot more difficult and we didn't really have the budget for that uh, and i didn't want to dip into my own account and neither did anyone else so that kind of was one thing that stopped us also the fact that we both have you know different things we want to achieve uh, me myself i wanted to do the gaming stuff that that's right before i went for the parallel rc oh wow. and stuff like that so i won that rc i had more free time and i'm like you know uh, coaching I didn't really have enough time for this anymore because I was also working full time. Uh, so, yeah, I didn't really have time to balance everything. And it was more of like a hobby. I, I had some aspirations of wanting to go pro in coaching, like coach college, potentially. Um, but I would need a few years more experience. So it ended up being not something I really had time for. You know, I couldn't take three, four years to yeah. take a chance at trying to, you know, coach because I'm still pretty young. Coaches normally don't coach when they're in their mid 20s. So well at that level. So I needed to wait a little bit anyway. That's really interesting. So you were into basketball as a kid as well? Uh yeah, I played sports my entire life. Um normally in whatever sports team I was on, I was the captain. Well, except in high school. In high school I was just a normal player. But yeah, pretty much my entire life in like recreational leagues and like rep leagues and AAU, whatever you call it where you live, uh I was one of the better players and I was just really active my entire life. And then in high school, during rugby, I had a lot of injuries, and uh, my sports career kind of slowed down heavily. That's when Skies actually started picking up. So I focused more on that, and that's kind of why I stopped playing sports. Well, what was, like, the worst injury? Um, I wouldn't necessarily say there was a worst one, but the ones that really bothered me too much were my broken ankle, Mm. which I re-sprained later. And then I tore a cartilage on the right side of my ribcage. 
and also on the left side of my ribcage. <laughs> so whenever I sat down, I just had like this horrible stinging pain constantly. So the, the torn cartilage took me out for like two weeks. It wasn't that bad. Like you could play through it. It's just, it feels like a cramp that never leaves, right? Um, sometimes it stings a little bit deeper, but it's not the worst injury. But the thing that was really bad about it is it stuck with me for like two years after. And occasionally I would just have these like random stinging pains whenever I sat down. If I stretched the wrong way or rotate too fast or anything like that, I just have like this whole stinging pain down my body from my ribs. And that shit really fucked me up. And every time I got hit in rugby or football or anything like that, I just felt the shock from my ribs. I, I didn't even, if I got hurt anywhere else, I wouldn't feel it. I would just feel it in my ribs. <laughs> like I get tackled in my legs, I feel the shake in my ribs, the sting. And it's like, fuck, man, that injury just never went away. And it made sports really difficult for me. I don't, I don't know what it was, but just tearing the cartilage on both sides really fucked me up. And on my right side is the one where I still have the pain. So it, it actually affected my workouts a lot as well. So it was hard to uh, stay fit for a few years until it really kind of fully went away. Oh, well, I'm sorry to hear that, man. So you still feel Definitely. pain to this day? Um, not as much, no. I maybe every few months if I overwork myself. Uh, but not really, no. I'm a lot, I'm a lot more fit now than I was a few years ago. <laughs> okay, well, that's good. Damn. Yeah, I've never like broken a bone or like had any major injuries or anything like that. Always scared me, bro. I don't know why. Yeah, like, I I have broken eight of my fingers out of ten. <laughs> so no way. The the, the the finger breaks aren't that bad. They're not that bad at all. They're they're like the easiest pain. It goes away really quickly. But yeah, the torn cartilage or whatever reason that shit fucked me up, man. Sprained ankle also nothing doesn't hurt at all. But yeah. So the first finger that you broke, how did you break it? Was that rugby as well or? Uh, that was football. Oh, yeah, so that was, that was football. I just caught the ball. This was in middle school. This is when the first one started. Um, I caught the ball wrong. And, uh, you know, I, st I still caught it. <laughs> but <laughs> I caught the ball wrong. My finger was fucked up. And I played through it. And then after the game was over, I noticed it was like starting to swell up. Because when you break your finger, sometimes it takes a little bit of time to swell up and really get bad. I thought it would just happen instantly, you know? Like, you break it, and there's, like, the crack, and you feel it, and it instantly bruises and swells up. But no, it, it took, like, three hours, Damn. at least. And then I, I get back home, and I'm like, uh, I'm in seventh grade at the time. I'm like, Mom, uh, I think my finger's messed up. <laughs> Can we go to the doctor? And she looks at it, she's like, oh, my God. It's fucking twice the size it was. Oh, my God. And then uh, there was the really stupid time when I broke my finger. I was running up the stairs. Like, you know when you're a kid and sometimes you run up the stairs on, like, on all fours? Yeah. <laughs> I was also in seventh grade. This is the second time I broke my finger. It was after a football game as well. Like right when my other finger recovered, man. I, I was I had a really good game. I was excited to go in my room to fucking just like sleep and just play COD or whatever. Um, and I was running up the stairs like a monkey and I jammed my finger running up the stairs so fast and I broke my finger like that. I was like, what the fuck, man? Yeah, that was the most embarrassing broken <laughs> finger. But the rest were all through sports. <laughs> Mainly basketball and football. And so one with rugby. Wow. So, yeah. And you know, you know what's crazy? I have good hands, too, man. Like, I'm, really? I'm very... Uh, yeah, I, I'd say I was a good catcher. I played tight end um, for football. And, you know, I've always had good hand-eye coordination. Um, 
in gaming i'm okay but in sports i was pretty solid so like i, I can always catch any kind of football baseball whatever so it's really funny that my fingers ended up being broken a lot <laughs> i mean maybe it made me better who knows do you ever worry about like so when was the last finger that you broke like do you know what year that was oh that was like over well over 10 years ago i'm 29 now so uh, all the breaks happened between the age of like 13 to 20. So it's almost every year I had a broken finger. Yeah. Um, but they don't, they don't, they, they take uh, a short time to heal. It, it's only a few weeks in most cases. And you can still play through injuries with a broken finger if it's not that bad, especially towards the end of it. Um, so yeah, the last one was, I think when I was 19, playing That's... basketball. I just caught the ball wrong. That's it. It's crazy, bro. You're explaining this like it's nothing, but if that would have happened to me, I'd have been crying like a bitch. Bro. Oh, I don't know. I, I promise you, broken fingers, you, you, don't, you don't cry during broken fingers, unless it's like a really bad one, which I've never had. Um, normally, it just feels like a really bad bruise, and it stings for a while. Like, it stings for a few days, maybe a week or two. But yeah, it, it doesn't feel that bad, I promise. <laughs> it's like the, the most fortunate break you can have. If you're, you're going to break a bone, break a finger. Yeah. <laughs> bro. They weren't bad breaks, I promise. They were just like little tiny breaks, yeah. <laughs> so have you ever... I was fortunate enough none of them were bad. Okay. Have you ever mm. talked to a doctor and have they ever told you like, you know, maybe years down the line you may have arthritis or? Um, no, not really. They've never told me anything like that. I don't know if there's any correlation between broken fingers and arthritis. Is there? I have I, no clue. I would assume so. <laughs> you broke I a mean... lot, bro. Well, yeah, but it was, it was all different fingers and it was all once. And they didn't really know the others were broken. Well, this, there was this one doctor after like five or six breaks. Because um, I broke like a, my fourth finger on that one hand. Uh, he took the x-ray to see like how bad it was. And he told me, you know, it's going to take a few weeks to recover. It's not that bad of a break. And then he said, have you broken your other fingers before? I'm like, yeah, how'd you know? He's like, well, there's still a little bit chipping on your middle finger. And uh, your index finger. And I'm like, oh, wow. You, you actually noticed there's, something's wrong with my fingers. And, you know, I looked at my left and my right hand. And my left hand has, like, little tiny indents. You know the, the joints, uh, the lowest joint on each of your fingers? I'm looking at them right now like an idiot, like you can see me. Um, it has, a, like, little bumps on each side that are bigger than the, the ones on my right hand. Because I never broke my index finger and my ring finger on my right hand. Those are the only two I didn't break. Um, so yeah, they, they look a little bit bigger at the joint. It's very noticeable if I like overlap them. So yeah. Other than that, my hands perfectly fine. And they still I feel no pain. They're perfect. So that's good. I'm chilling. <laughs> yeah. To go back to what you said earlier in the interview, you said that you've never traveled outside of Canada. If you were to come to the US, where would you like to go? Uh definitely LA. LA. There's a lot of people I know in LA from a bunch of different gaming communities. Uh COD just being one of them. And uh, I've, I've always just wanted to see what LA was like, you know, the Hollywood lifestyle. I want to go there just once. Mm -hmm. And in the US, uh, I, I don't know where else, honestly. I, I really have no other clue where I'd want to go in the US. I definitely want to travel other places, though, like Japan and Egypt and Sweden mm -hmm. and stuff like that. Maybe Hawaii. Wait, is Hawaii part of the US? Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd go to Hawaii then. <laughs> so, yeah. That's so trippy how, like, Hawaii is a part of the U.S. Puerto Rico, I think, is also a part of the U.S., I think. But they still have their own government, oh, yeah. but they're still, like, a part of the United States. That's so trippy. 
But uh, yeah, I'm really bad with geography, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> LA, it's nothing. It's nothing too special. Rob was born and raised here, bro. This shit is like. Oh really? No way. Yeah, but I was born and raised in like the fucking disgusting ghetto part. I'm from South Central LA. Oh, okay. But it's it's not all like I feel like a lot of people they think like, oh mm-hmm. man, LA's amazing, palm trees and just Starbucks and shit, and it's like very it's horrible out here, bro. Like, damn, I can't wait to leave. Like, I do not want to live here. It's yeah, but see, cool. you've been living there your whole life though, right? For me, it'd be different. Yeah. Yeah. I get there and it's like some brand new shit. It looks cool as hell. Yeah, you know. <laughs> I mean, but I get that. There are some beautiful parts of like Century City is beautiful. That's in LA. Mm-hmm. Uh, Beverly Hills is beautiful. North Hollywood, beautiful. Even some parts of downtown LA are beautiful as well to me. Um, but like you said, I think it will be cool for you to experience it once, though. That's like, it's really cool. Yeah, man, that's dope. Um, Definitely once in a lifetime, for sure. I want to know, how'd you get into gaming? Uh, that actually ties into what I was talking about earlier. Uh, I started gaming a lot more once I was getting more injured in sports and uh you know having to take a week or two off i needed something to fill the time especially when i sprained my ankle for the first time i couldn't play for two weeks that's when i started playing cod 4 uh so yeah that, that's really when i started playing video games i always played games as a kid like i had a computer and i was like six years old and i played some random games with it all the time my parents told me then i had a gamecube and stuff like that i was always casually playing but then when I got injured in sports more often, I shifted my focus from like always going outside and playing sports to playing video games. And COD 4 was the game I started with. So, yeah. Wow. So when you were a kid on your computer, what was like one of the first games you remember playing? Oh, I played Minesweeper. And uh, also this one game, I don't know what the name of it is, but it's like you're on a slope snowboarding or skiing or something. And you have to avoid obstacles. It was like some really crappy 2D game. <laughs> and like you're just going down a slope skiing and you're avoiding trees and like evil snowmen and shit like that. And then after that, eventually, when I was like 10, I tried getting into World of Warcraft. But my PC couldn't really handle it. Because PCs back then weren't exactly the best. And uh, we didn't have that much money back then. So I had to go play it at uh, either somebody else's house or I had to wait to visit my dad's place because he, he had a better computer and I tried to play it there as much as I could. So yeah, World of Warcraft is really the first real game I'd say I'd played. I didn't even really play it that much. And uh, yeah, that's about it. It's crazy. Do you remember what computer you had? Oh, dude, it was one of those white box computers. <laughs> it was really <laughs> bad. Like, you know, the big ass computers. Yeah. It was like 13 inches screen. Um, it, it, it is horrible, but yeah, it got the job done. You know, back at the time, it was amazing. But looking back now, like, oh, my God, man, I couldn't even imagine. <laughs> oh, man. Kids are lucky growing up in today's day and age, man. They're really lucky. Yeah. That kind of reminded me of, because uh, I have like, from when I was like six years old, bro, I still have like, it's like a little, I think it's maybe 13 inches, like a 13 inch Mickey Mouse TV, bro. <laughs> like I still have it to this day. I don't use it, but I still yeah. have it, bro. It kind of reminded me of that. Um, Dude, that's the size of iPads and stuff these days, man. It's crazy. I remember this is a while ago. I remember being in your stream, and somebody mm. they were saying that 
I don't know if somebody said it or you said somebody had told you this. They said that you were their comfort streamer. And I didn't really think of you that way until somebody said it. Like, usually when I go to, like, a funny lit stream, I click on, like, specifically in the COD community, I go for Zephy or Rhymes. And then I started to notice yeah. if I want, like, a chill stream, it was you or Tori. Even though she plays um Valorant a lot now, too. She was playing a lot of yeah, Valorant. Yeah, she's dope, though. And, like, I think I remember telling you, too, in a stream, I don't know if you remember, but you gave me, like, a super chill, like, Saikuno type of vibe. Like, a super chill. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> calm, collective so did you ever think somebody would refer to you as a comfort streamer? Uh, no, not really, man. It honestly caught me by surprise. I, I didn't even really know the term existed. I, I, I didn't know that was a thing, but I, I realized I had comfort streamers of my own too. Mm -hmm. Like I just didn't stream to chill to have some background noise. And uh, w whenever I started streaming more, I started having uh, more comfort streamers because I, I was trying to learn from other streamers. I was watching other streamers, seeing what they're doing, learning from them. Um, and yeah, so it was pretty cool to be that person for other people, like knowing they have me tabbed up while they're working. Or even people coming in saying, hey, I'm on lunch break, just needed to, just wanted to listen to something, man. Like, I'm going to be here for 30 minutes, what's up? And they just want to talk to me and stuff like that. It was really cool, like being anyone's comfort streamer. But the thing I remember about that, that you mentioned, is uh, being compared to Saikuno. That was really fucking cool. I think I mentioned that on the stream as well. Like, there's no way. Because he, he's one of the, he's one of the, the best streamers in the community in my opinion mm -hmm. and obviously with the numbers the numbers can uh attest to that but uh yeah he just he just has that chill vibe you come in there's no raging if there is any it's funny it's for content no negativity um just overall a good vibe you know like you can watch that stream and be in a good place and that's what i strive to get people who come to watch my stream like if i'm raging i try to make it content at least they try to make it funny <laughs> so yeah yeah i appreciate that compliment by the way and that comparison was really cool yeah I, I, yeah man you i love your streams i fucking love saikuno he's amazing bro oh yeah um if i could descri describe like your streams with like a drink i'd say it's like a real like smooth red wine bro something you could just like keep your feet up <laughs> to type shit it's just super chill nice <laughs> i fuck with that i like that <laughs> You oh, okay. can I can I cuss on this, by the way, or do you have to bleep fuck it out? Yeah, bro, you can say whatever you want. Dog. Oh, okay, cool, cool, cool. Check it, check. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> uh, if you could, so how how did you get into making content? Into making content? Oh, that's we're gonna go way back to yeah. when I was a little kid. Uh, in my spare time for fun, I made YouTube videos. In the first few years, YouTube came out. Uh, this is when YouTube had a star rating system. So you rated a video like three stars, five stars, whatever. Uh, I started with Windows Movie Maker making basketball mixtapes. Oh, wow. And a lot of people don't know this, but because I was one of the first people making them, I would make a mixtape of like my favorite player, who was Tracy McGrady at the time. He's a basketball player. And I'd make one about Ray Ralston, who was a streetballer and NBA player as well. Uh, his streetball name was Skip to My Lose. So I made a, I made a mixtape of him playing streetball under and one. It was like a, a um, how do I say this? They played streetball professionally, I guess. And they made mixtapes and stuff. And that was really big back then in the culture. So I got some of his highlights. And I put together a video. And got highlights from people in the NBA and stuff. Professional basketball players. And uh, I just put them on YouTube. The edits were horrible. I just basically put the clips to some music. And because I was one of the first people uploading, the videos did really well. Like back then, I, I if you searched up Tracy McGrady mixtape, for example, uh 
I was the first video. Even though it was horrible 240p quality, <laughs> everybody clicked and it ended up getting like 4 million views. Oh, wow. And there, there was a few videos like that. I think like five or six that had over a million views. Um, and I only had like 200 subs, bro. <laughs> what? <laughs> it was a different time back then. The videos were really bad. But they just had so many views because they were the first option. Because I was the first to do them, you know? I was just a, like a little kid making videos on YouTube. And YouTube wasn't anything back then. Yeah. And uh, wow. it was really cool. And eventually I kind of stopped. And then I, you know, I, enjoy, I always enjoyed editing and being creative because I love art. I was a good art student. And uh, yeah, I, I just always had a passion for it and wanted to do more and learn how to edit in the future. So that's kind of how I got into content creation because I enjoyed editing so much. Damn, that's that's crazy. That goes to show how strong and being in a niche could be, bro. Because you, like you said, you were the first person doing it type shit. Yeah, that that's actually why I uh, had the mentality I did going into Skies Gaming. Because I I noticed at a young age, if you're first, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're always going to be known as the OG, mm. and you're always going to get more recognition. Doesn't matter if people do it better than you later, as long as you're first, you win the race. You're going to get a lot of attention. So that that's why I tried to do different stuff with my content back then and like edit uh sky's videos different than everybody else so i'd always be that guy i'd always stand out so it's always really important to me and i felt like i had an edge at a young age since then damn bro that's maybe thinking about it too deep but that's like inspiring to me bro because i try to do the same <laughs> shit no like real shit like because yeah in, in the underground scene i interview like underground artists but i interview like really really small underground mm -hmm. artists and for the gaming scene it's like i interview smaller content creators like i feel like a lot of people a lot of interviewers now they only interview people who are uh how do i put it like i guess more popping quote unquote mm -hmm. i'm doing quotations in real life more popping like i feel like in this scene that we're in you won't get an interview unless you're like i don't know let's say like mr beast or valky ray or you get what i'm saying like unless you're not yeah, that yeah, level definitely. you feel me so i definitely want to fill in that gap and it's like um, there's a lot of brilliant content creators, underground artists. Like, there's a lot of brilliant people that do not get the shine that they deserve, you know. And that's what I want to do for my uh my platform. Yeah, um, that's dope. I love that, man. I remember how do I word this? So, on your channel where you were uploading the mixtapes, was that the same channel that you have now, or? Oh no, it was a it was a different channel. Um, and the reason it's no longer up, I actually deleted it. Is because the channel name was my real name. Okay. And I got I kind of got scared people would figure out like where I live and stuff. <laughs> so <laughs> I deleted it. <laughs> Even though the videos had millions of views. Nothing ever happened to me. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. Have you ever done a face reveal? Um, yeah, I have. Uh some people know what I look like behind the scenes. And actually when I came back into the community, uh, after I left FaZe for you know, I left face. I came back three years later. I had my Discord profile picture as my face, unblurred and everything. And a few close friends saw me. They know what I look like. They know what I look like. Everyone else on stream and stuff, uh, they know what I look like under a blurry picture. Mm -hmm. I've shown a blurry picture that I had that was uh, heavily filtered because my ex sent it to me at the time. And uh, I really liked it, so I just showed it to them. And they, they have an idea of what I look like, but only a handful of people. I'd say like, I don't know, the 40 people watching my stream at the time. And maybe like 5 to 10 close friends in the community. Maximum. Yes, have same. an idea of what I look like. That's about it. 
Same. I did a face reveal like maybe like even I'm super fucking small, but I did a face reveal maybe like a year ago. I think only like mm. 20 people on my story saw it. And I came to the conclusion I'm never doing a face reveal ever. Like I just <laughs> like not even on like no like insecure shit, mainly on like because what yeah. I what I do, it comes from the world of radio, like podcasting, interviewing. It comes from the world of radio. And the mm. world of radio, the only thing that matters is your voice and what you're saying. So I want people to listen to me due to what I am saying and not due to what I look like type shit. That makes sense. Yeah, I feel that. Exactly. I, I think it was the same way for me as well, man. I, I didn't want to be judged on my appearance because I've, I've been up and down with my appearance a lot mm -hmm. uh, in my life. Like I've, I've had periods where I was like 260 pounds. I'm five foot 11 almost. Well, really, I'm five foot 10, but I round up. <laughs> I'm, I'm, close, I'm close to 5'11", bro. I'm like 5'10 and three quarters officially. I just say 5'11". So I, I used to be like 260, 270. I was pretty overweight. And then uh, I wouldn't want to do a face reveal at that time. Hell no. But then I lost the weight. I got down to 180. And, you know, that's the picture I showed people, obviously, when I was in much better shape. But yeah, I, I wouldn't want people to judge me if they knew me as that 270-pound dude who didn't really care about his physical health or appearance at all, you know? Yeah. I had a bad haircut, bad hygiene, bad everything. And I really needed to change my life, so I did. I don't want people to know me at my best, so... That's when I showed people the few people that know is when I was at my best, and uh, yeah, I, I don't I don't like that some people get judged by the way that they look, and people will show themselves and they get hated on by people that have never shown themselves and they hide behind their uh, keyboard, you know. Yeah. So that that's what really bothers me, man. So I I just kind of I just kind of do my own thing. I don't really care what people would say, so I just don't use a face cam for now. But I do plan on using one in the future. Yeah, especially how like Dream kind of just got. Fucked over oh, yeah. what he did is. That was fucked up. Like, yeah, he, he got he got shit on, man. <laughs> but I mean, respect to him though. Yeah. Like, he's successful. He's doing well. I'm sure he doesn't care <laughs> as much as people think. Yeah. I don't lie if I ever get like super fucking I guess famous or whatever. If I get like three million to do like a movie or some shit, I'd do it. But it'd have to be like Possibly. a slasher horror movie type shit. <laughs> oh, you're into horror movies? Yeah, okay. I love horror. Yeah. Damn. I want to know, how'd you get into editing? Into editing? Well, I've always loved being creative and drawing and doing graffiti and stuff like that. And uh, it ended up being just an outlet for me. I wanted to explore different ways I could be creative, and that was just one of them. Whoa, whoa, whoa. you said you were into graffiti? Uh, yeah. I didn't, I didn't tag, though. I didn't tag as much. Oh, never mind. Uh, mainly just, you know, drawing with pen and paint and stuff like that. Okay. Yeah, and I, yeah, and I used to even be into calligraphy. Sorry to cut you off, but yeah. You're good. You're good. As an interviewer, you are supposed to cut me off. I tell everybody that. <laughs> All right, dope. <laughs> but no, nah, I used to I used to be into graffiti too, but I was more of like a you know a scumbag, oh, yeah. like tagging on walls type shit. And that scene <laughs> is so disgusting, bro. I'm glad you didn't get deeper into that. that scene. Is so yeah. especially in LA, it's like really like not. It's it's more than graffiti. It's kind of like I'd say like. Basically, it's a gang. Basically, if you join a crew, it's like, yeah, it's like that. Pretty it's much. Fucking disgusting. I don't um, think I've met a single person here that does graffiti that's not like, doesn't have one or two issues, you know? Yeah. Like whether it's like heavy drugs or yeah. some other kind of shit. Like, it, it was kind of bad over here. So I, I kind of stepped away from that crowd. And I didn't really join them when they were tagging and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, it's a disgusting scene. Um, I want to know... Would you say, well, yeah, you said you're big into art. So you would say editing is also like an art form as well. Yeah, definitely. Um, with transitions and effects you can do and there's a storytelling, editing is an art form for me. 
for sure. And it was really cool that I had a few years I was able to express myself with editing, with music and everything like that. Like putting my thoughts to life in a video form was pretty sick. So yeah, editing is definitely an art in my opinion. I asked that to ask because I remember in one of your videos, someone had asked you what made you want to add an anime reference into your montage. And you said <laughs> yeah. you wanted to incorporate yourself within the montage. From that response, yeah. it, it sounds like you have like a very personal relationship with editing. Is that safe to say? Um, Yeah, to an extent. I've definitely drifted away from it in the past few years because it's grown to be something I don't like as much. Because uh, when, you, when you do something for such a long period of time like I have, I've been editing since I was 13 and I'm, I'm, almost, I'm in my late 20s now. Wow. Uh, I've kind of grown to dislike editing. <laughs> and it's funny I say that because I'm working for SOAR doing editing work right now. But that's mainly just for, you know, for my rent. So uh, editing, the question was, is editing personal to me, right? I have a personal connection to it? Yeah. Um, yeah, I would say I did. But now, not as much. Now it's just work. Like, I don't really do it to be creative or anything. If if I'll edit, it's to make memes for TikTok or Twitter or anything like that. And I find more fun doing that, trying to make funny content, than actually trying to make art. <laughs> Definitely. Well, you said, so, yeah. <laughs> well, you said that. I just imagined uh, <laughs> what what meme did you make? It was the one where Rhymes was screaming. Oh yeah, with the frog or the panda or or the. Uh... Oh, wait, what? No, it was the, it was the voice you, thing. You haven't seen those ones? No, I haven't. No. No, I gotta show you those, man. <laughs> God, yo, we gotta take we gotta take a minute from the podcast. Hold on. You can send them to the Twitter. <laughs> Not seen the one where it was uh, <laughs> you had like the the uh the uh, announcer voice on, and you were talking about how they <laughs> they recreated Rhymes' voice, and you just hear him screaming. That should have me crying. <laughs> oh yeah, man, dude, that was the third video I've made of Rhyme. You gotta watch the other two, bro. Like here, let me link these to you right now. You can watch them later. You can watch them during the podcast, whatever. But this is what um, made me want to do that video of Rhyme because I had all these sound bites collected of him, <laughs> and I made it into a funny beam. And the first one did so well, and I just decided to keep it rolling. So they're thirty seconds long and two minutes long. We can watch them later if you like after the thing. But yeah, definitely watch those at some point. <laughs> I linked them in the uh, Discord. <laughs> let me see. I'm about to look at them right now. Yeah, you might enjoy it. If you want to take a break and mute, let me know. <laughs> Just to watch. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> I saw a video of like a famous VTuber that somebody took their sound bites and put them on this frog. And I'm like, dude, I've been watching Rhyme do all sorts of crazy reactions. I'm going to make a soundboard of him and do the same exact video. And that's what I did. And every, everyone's fucking dying about it. So that's how I got the idea for the latest one about Rhyme with the... Uh, the voice acting or whatever <laughs> yo have you ever thought about going into like voice acting or doing commercials um there was a time when i was working i was working in customer service and my manager uh had their boss come in and they they told me i should try to do like radio or something because they, they really liked my voice and i thought about it at that time to try and do some voice acting stuff but I don't really think my voice is there. I think I would need a lot of training because whenever I try to, whenever I try to like read a script or just try to voice act, it doesn't really come out the way I want it to. So I I need a lot of training to get my voice to uh, get to that level. But 
that might be a possibility in the future. We'll you, see. <laughs> you said it doesn't come out how you want to. How would you want it to come out? Uh, I don't know. Like whenever I try to express myself, it doesn't come out as much as I feel like I express, express myself. Like if I want to be excited and I try to portray that through my voice, it just seems very flat and monotone. Mm, okay. You know, and, and I can't get that level of excitement that I want to reach that I see other voice actors reach. And it, whenever I'm trying to be like serious and do like a documentary style video, it's really difficult for me to achieve that tone as well. So I, I'm just thinking like, damn, if I really want to do this, I need to get some training. So it, it would probably take a few years of training for me to go down that path. And I don't know if I can afford to do that. So mm-hmm. yeah, I've never really pursued it for that reason. And do you think it sounds monotone because you're reading or uh i I don't know i I think in general i have somewhat of a monotone voice like it's hard for me to express my emotions through my voice so i don't know if voice acting is for me for that reason it's it's just how i always felt like i sounded like whenever i hear my own voice through a recording i just hear one tone (laughs) and i'm also i think i'm also tone deaf so that doesn't help very much either I mean, so, yeah. I'm going to tell you right now, dog, your voice is fucking amazing. For everybody listening, they're probably saying that as well. You have a real, like, I don't know. It's not like a husky voice. It's like a just right, perfect type of voice. <laughs> like, I can see you doing ASMR that. commercials. Like, you have a you have a very good voice, bro. That shit, it grabs you, your attention. <laughs> um, <laughs> I keep thinking about rhymes fucking screaming. That's a lot of funny <laughs> shit. That shit had me crying. Yeah, he's hilarious, man. I fucking love rhymes. Um, he deserves more recognition, man. I really think he does, and I hope he breaks out into other games other than just COD. Yeah, that would be cool to see him be like a variety streamer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he'd thrive, man. Um, another thing that I noticed, uh, in like editing, you editing, multiple people editing, and I didn't know this until I, I think I watched the video from you explaining how you edit and you were editing a certain montage i think it was mm-hmm. the pomage zoto goro i think is that his oh name? yeah that one yeah you explained how you were doing it and it's like certain clips should go on certain parts of the montage it's best to mm-hmm. put like an insane clip like during the intro or outro or maybe like the chorus of like a song or something like that yeah have, have you ever thought of getting into like directing movies or music videos because i feel like i don't know editors that think like you it's basically directing, but just in a video game format. So have you ever thought of like music videos or directing movies or something? I, dude, I'd love to edit music videos. If I ever know an artist that wants to do something, I'd love to be a part of that music video. I think it'd be really cool and we can do something really fun and creative. Um, movies, not so much. I mean, it would be cool, but obviously you need to go to university and stuff like that. I don't, I don't really got time for that shit. <laughs> so music videos, I feel like I could... You know, give me an underground artist that has potential, that has personality, that has a vision, and we could probably make a cool project. And I'd be down for that. But okay. uh, yeah, music videos definitely yes, absolutely. Okay, that's that's really interesting. Um, oh yeah, going back to the, have you ever thought of making like a meme page or you just make memes? Uh yeah, I have. I have. I always wanted to be one of those like Twitters or whatever. That just posts memes and just has a fun time and it's like anonymous you don't know who it is yeah and you know just one of those funny pages like i, I can't think of one off the top of my head but you know what i'm talking about yeah, right I do. yeah like they just post like it's like out of context humans for example that's a page i remember um 
and they just post like crazy random shit and it's funny like every day they post whenever they want and uh yeah i'd love to do something like that but the thing is i don't have that much time to be on the internet 24 7 and finding these memes like i have to stay on top of trends for my work but it's, it's hard <laughs> to do it constantly and i'm trying to avoid social media but i haven't been tweeting as much so yeah it'd be kind of exhausting i feel like but i, I would want to do it or help out like if, if i it's funny that you say that actually because uh with you know tay woods right yeah he's lit yeah. Uh, with the tailor and everything i actually sent him like four stories like anytime i see something interesting i send it to him so I feel like if I was helping somebody with the page like that, uh, I'd be pretty good because I am on social media a bit, but doing it constantly almost every single day to keep that page active and get it going, I don't think I could do that. But if I am if I was a helper, absolutely. <laughs> so okay. yeah. So what if somebody were to pay you to do that? Would you do it? Yeah, if somebody paid me and it was my job to literally shitpost, I would absolutely do it. Like 100%. I'd be on social media all day, man. If it was a full-time salary, I'd be on there 10 hours a day. Okay. <laughs> um, going back to the editing thing, bro, the way, the way you broke down that edit, that dual Taj with Pomage and Zogoro, I think his name's Zogoro, right? Yeah, yeah. The way you broke that down, it made me appreciate, like, backstory behind, like, the smaller edits within the montage, bro. Like... Oh, yeah. You kind of opened up my eyes to how really just directing in general when somebody directs, like it made me think like, damn, like, okay, so that's why they did this. And that's why they did that. Like, did how do I put this? Did, did you always have like that mindset in other aspects of your life when it comes to like directing things or doing things for a certain reason? Like, I don't know if that makes sense, but. Oh, yeah, it, it does make sense. Like, so basically the way I see it is whenever you get experienced enough in anything, um, you see things differently, and you're able to add um, more direction to it, I guess, to make it better. Like whatever you do in life, it can always be improved. And if you have a set plan and you have a vision of how to make it better, you you can make it far more enjoyable for yourself or others, or you know you can get more out of that experience. Like regardless of whether or not it's editing, art, sports, you know, even even like basic simple interactions with other people. Like if you have experience in it. And you know how to direct the flow of the conversation, for example, or whatever topics of interest. Like you, you can use that in all aspects of life, you know. So having experience in things definitely helps. And because I'm old, I have a lot of experience. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it carries over into everything. I'd say. It's interesting. Remember, yeah. I, I asked Fameful in, in his interview, and he couldn't really give me an answer because he's not an editor. So I want to mm -hmm. ask you this. What do you think makes a good edit and what do you think makes a bad edit? Oh, good edit. Uh, how about we start with the bad edit first? Okay. Um, a bad edit is somebody who has no direction. They're just placing clips randomly to make them fit. Uh, they don't plan things out beforehand. They just kind of put them everywhere. Uh, I, I hate seeing a really good clip just randomly thrown anywhere. As you mentioned before, the best clips should be at the best parts of the song because it's an experience, you know? Like, if, if you're going to have a four-course meal, the first thing should be the appetizer, you know? It should be good, blah, blah, blah. Then eventually you get to the main course. The main course should be the best dish. You know, it's the same thing with editing. Um, so you you want the main course to be delicious. You want it to be the best part of the, the meal. Same thing with editing. You want the course, the final course, to have the best shit, the ending to be sick. And a lot of editors miss the 
miss the ball on that, especially when they're starting out, because they don't realize how much how important planning is. So a, a lot of the bad edits I see, they have zero planning. They just kind of throw clips in there randomly and they make it fit and they force sync them. Like instead of seeing if the clip actually fits, they just force sync it as much as possible. And I, I really can't stand that. A lot of good editors do that too, actually, uh, when it comes to montages. So I think that's the biggest thing on what makes an editor bad or an edit bad. Um, as far as what makes an edit good, I would say it's the opposite of everything I just mentioned. Yeah. <laughs> Planning this is very important. And also having effects that fit. Like if, you, if the song is really fast or if the it's a little chaotic, you want the edit to match that. You want everything to be in sync. A lot of good editors take advantage of the audio and they really use it to enhance your experience. Like if you can manipulate the audio with your effects, or sorry, if you can manipulate the video to match the audio and it all syncs perfectly and the effects match what you're hearing in the song, you hear like a loud, heavy bass, you see like some loud, heavy effects on the screen as well. Like that's what good editors do. They're able to tie them together and make you really see the song visualized in video form with the clips and that's what the good editors do along with good planning and clip placement so yeah i'd say that's the big biggest difference it's a little thing like that it's hard to tell unless you're experienced but you know all, all these big montages in the cod community all of the ones that are successful they have really good planning and clip placement every single one of them and that's what makes them so enjoyable you know so yeah that's what i'd say the biggest difference is okay now, how do you feel about like super flashy edits? Because me personally, I'm not too big of a fan of them. The flashiest I'll go is probably like Picante 3 by Zephy. And that's not even really that flashy, yeah. to be honest. Or, um, oh no, Phase Flea, he does flashy edits. Those are really nice too. Mm. Um, also, a, there's like a collective called Shizuka's Artistry. I've seen them around a little bit. They make beautiful visuals as, as well. But how do you feel about like super flashy edits? Dude, I, I think if you're able to pull off a flashy edit, you're insanely talented. Like, I think a lot of those guys doing those crazy glitch-heavy or effect-heavy edits, like, I, I can't do a lot of that stuff. <laughs> so I have a lot of respect for them. Um, as far as my personal taste, I don't really enjoy them as much. Uh, but I, I'm not going to deny that they're fucking incredible. And, you know, editors really like them for a reason because the stuff they do is fucking sick. And I, we understand the skill and time it takes to do stuff like that. Like I, I would never shit on Flea ever, even though his edits may not be like my style or my preference. I understand like what he does is at a super high level, you know, and I, I see why everyone loves it so much because it's actually really good. Um, so yeah, I think those editors doing those flashy, crazy edits, they're really skilled, just not my preference, you know. If that makes sense. Okay, and due to it not being your preference, you would never try to attempt to learn that. Oh no, I, I don't. Honestly, I don't think I do it really well either. <laughs> I don't I don't have that much skill like those guys. It's it's a different it's a different uh editing style, you know? Like you know when a music artist cuz you said you worked with music artists, right? You know you know when I don't I don't know if you work with people who make like beats and stuff. Whenever you see someone who does drum and bass or dubstep or whatever, they want to get into rap or trap or like a different genre. Usually it doesn't go really well <laughs> at first. And the only time it works well is when they switch genres, is when they're really experienced and fucking prodigy. Um, so it's the same thing with editing. Editors who try to change styles and do different things, usually it doesn't work that well unless they're really talented. And I don't think I'm at that level. I think I'm in my comfort zone and I should just you know keep doing that. 
Although I think I could do it with some time, but it'd take a lot of time and effort. <laughs> yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. It's a it's a different atmosphere. You know, you got to get used yeah, to it before yeah. you can become amazing at it. Um, exactly. Also, remember hearing that. How do I say this? That not that editors aren't respected, but that editors sometimes don't give the don't get given the flowers that they deserve in the community. Do you think that's starting to change a little bit? Oh, absolutely starting to change, man. Um, back when I used to be in phase, I got like fifty to a hundred dollars per edit. And these edits I would spend like one to two, three weeks on. Wow. Right? Uh, now for sore, I make a simple content video that takes me a day to edit. I'm getting paid like uh two hundred twenty USD for just one video, right? And other videos like Pomaja's montage that I edited for him, like uh I don't want to give the exact numbers. Yeah. But it's Pomash paid me more uh for one montage edit than I've gotten in my entire time in parallel phase envy and skies combined. That so is he's fucks. very generous. And time has changed a lot when it comes to editing. Or editing has changed a lot when it comes to like the payment we get and the respect we get. Editors are finally being recognized as important. Um, back then you used to just sit behind the scenes a lot of editors would edit for free or very cheap like, it wasn't really a job now it's a job people are editing full-time for content creators and stuff like that that's what i'm doing for sore and yeah it's really cool to see how much it's changed so yeah i, I do think that the respect towards editors has changed significantly and now they're really valued behind the scenes that's fire i remember i seen on your twitter it was a while ago bro it was um you had like a little edit of Overwatch that you did, and you were just saying how you do, um, you edit for Soar. When do you think we could see the latest uh, montage edited by Pride? Oh, mon- oh, dude, I'm not, I'm not editing a montage ever again. Really? <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't think that's ever happening. No, I'm just doing content stuff now. So if you go on the Soar channel, a lot of the recent videos, like for the past two months that have been edited by me, I'm not credited in the description because you know, I'm just working behind the scenes. But yeah, that's what I'm doing now, just content. <laughs> okay, okay. the montage days are beyond me man if somebody were to pay me a, a good chunk of money for a montage i'd do it but it'd have to be a lot man so really? it just takes too much time and for not as much recognition or money as i'd like you know because i need to i need to pay the bills it's different now i don't have time <laughs> to, to keep doing hobbies all the time i gave enough as it is <laughs> it's crazy bro it, damn so what if you were working with somebody on a if I was working if I was working with somebody and I was getting paid a good amount like an actual wage uh yeah I'd do it no problem but that's because it's work you know it's different for a hobby I wouldn't spend time doing a crazy montage like that anymore you know what I would love to see by you just like a montage of just just different games, Valorant, COD, CS:GO, edited by yeah. you and co-edited by Mito, bro. Phase Mito, I love Phase oh, yeah, Mito's cool. edits, bro. Like, I would love to see. I don't know if you guys have a relationship, but I would love to see you guys do something. That would be so. That would be like a dream come true for me, bro. I love y'all edits. That should be so fire. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't really know him personally, but. You know, you mentioned all these other games. I did want to make a project like that. I wanted to make like a 30 minute long montage 
Ooh. of all my clips throughout the years, but I just never got around to finishing it. I finished like three minutes of it. I never posted it. <laughs> so yeah, maybe one day I'll go back to it. Who's like someone, and I know if you've edited for a lot of people, who's someone that you always wanted to edit for but didn't get the chance to? Ooh, I'd say Jeff. Definitely Jeff, because we used to be in faith at the same time. He still follows me, even on my new Twitter. Um, he's always been like one of the most cool dudes I've met. I've only spoken to him like maybe twice and played Call of Duty with him. Um, but yeah, he, he's actually one of the few people I watched and one of the few people I still occasionally watch. I don't watch him as much as I used to. But uh, yeah, I've always wanted to work with him, just never really got a chance to because he, he didn't really make montages like that. Or if he did, he already had his editors lined up. So. I mean, when you're Jeb, you could basically choose whoever you want. (laughs) So, yeah, that would have been somebody really cool to work with. I mean, I got to work with everybody else I wanted to, Pomage, Sprat, and so on. So I'm I'm pretty, pretty content. So would it be like the edits like you're doing for Sword now, or did you want to do like a montage for him? Oh, I wanted to do a montage for him back then. I mean, I think with his content, I think he does a perfect job doing that on his own. So he doesn't need any help. But yeah, I always wanted to edit for him in some way. Uh, back then when I was in phase for sure. So do you have like a top five editors? Top five editors? Yeah. Ooh. I know that's pretty difficult, but uh some of the ones that I would say I watched the most and enjoyed the most would be uh FaZe Furan or Furin. I don't know how to really pronounce it. Um he was a sick editor, probably my favorite. Phase Zero before they, this is before he joined FaZe. I loved him in phase as well. Uh, he was really cool. Feex is dope. Also used to be in phase. <laughs> a lot of them were just basically my teammates. Um, I'm trying to think. There's not very other many names that come to mind. There's a bunch of cool editors that I really enjoyed watching. Mink was cool. Fruit was cool. I'm in store with him now. Uh, it's just a, There's just so many, man. But yeah, I I really enjoyed more of the montage side of things. So people in like Phase and Soar and stuff like that. Those were some of my favorite editors. So yeah, those guys would be some of my favorites, yeah. Yeah, I'd say... uh... I'm probably forgetting a lot, so I feel bad. (laughs) Yeah, I can't even think of five, bro. I can only think of Mito. Really, everything that comes from Shizuka's artistry. I don't even know if they're still a fan. I'm pretty sure they still Mm -hmm. are. They make beautiful shit. You're up there as well. Uh, well. I appreciate that. Who else? I really don't like a lot of flashy, flashy shit. Um, Sorche made some cool shit. I don't, was he was he an editor? He edited that too, as well, right? His montages. You Wait, know? who are you talking about? I didn't hear. Sorche. Sorche. I'm actually unfamiliar with Shay. Really? Yeah, he, he yeah. did the Shay's Way shit. Oh, yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, he was like from back in the day. He kind of disappeared a little bit. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, okay i remember bro i seen again you probably already answered this due to like due to one of the other questions i asked you may have already answered this but here's a tweet from you i'm gonna read it it says it's painful turning good editing opportunities down but i need you guys to understand something editing is my hobby and i want to keep it that way deadlines and direction for others ruined that for me I do not wish to make this my job. Lost the passion before, never again. Now, looking back on it, during that time, what do you think made you lose the passion for editing? 
Oh man, it's funny that I said that because now I'm doing editing as a job. <laughs> I, yeah. need, I need to pay the bills, so fuck it. Um, making me lose the passion for it is just doing it over and over again. And I hated deadlines and direction, like being told how to edit or being rushed. Because I feel like it's an art form, and I don't think you should rush art. Yeah, you know, I think the editors should have time. And I was, I, I sometimes I just wanted to like just sit on it for a day. I don't like a part of it and I can't fix it. I don't have fresh ideas for it. Like, okay, I'll take a break. I'll relax. I'll come back tomorrow. And with a fresh mindset, I change it and make it better. And when you're rushed and you're forced to meet deadlines and stuff like that, sometimes you can't make the perfect video that you could have made if you just had maybe four or five extra days, you know? And being rushed and having these deadlines and being pressured and stuff like that, I just hated it. I wanted to have as much time as possible and I wanted to edit on my own pace. That's why I only edited for myself for a while because I could do it exactly how I wanted. Like the 23 crowns, team sages and stuff like that. I had no deadlines. I could do that as long as I wanted to. And I think those are some of my favorite videos. And yeah, if I could edit without direction and deadlines, I would absolutely do it more. But that kind of takes away from the fun and joy for me personally. What's like your favorite montage that you've ever seen? If you could, like, that I've ever point. seen, yeah. Oh, damn! My favorite montage. I really liked. Uh, a lot of the phase stuff definitely would be up there, but a favorite montage. I can't really think of one off the top of my head. I love what Zephy's been doing. With the Picante series. Um, I love the Catalyst series from Pomage. I love Sprat's example series. That would be up there. The Joy's Taj was sick from Raw Joy's. But picking a favorite montage? Yeah, I know that's tough. Oh, man. I don't really think there's... Oh, actually, I mean, there was a Team Taj... For sore, I guess if this counts, it was edited by Vizcra, Vizcra and somebody else. I really loved that one, and I also loved anything that Zero edited. Uh, he used to be in Sore, Sore Zero, Phase Zero. Uh, well, maybe something he did for Phase or Sore as well. I don't know. Something in the DMP style, I'd say, is my favorite, but I can't really give you an give you a specific one. Just a bunch of them that I enjoy. A lot of teams I just mainly. Yeah, I feel that. I think my favorite one so far. That I've seen was um, sweet by Mito. I fucking love that edit. Just super kind of simple, you know. Mm. That one in um, I don't know if it was coexistence two, coexistence three. I think it was probably that one. I think was it Face Kitty and the Agony Twins. I think those. Oh, yeah, are... Agony's made some good dodges. Same with Kitty, man. Yeah, they have some fire shit. Yeah. For everybody listening, I'm probably gonna link some cool shit down below so you guys can listen. Not listen, but watch it. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, so for this next question, bro, I kind of want to send you. Um, I want to send you something, and I want okay. you to say what's like the first thing that pops into your head when you see this, and describe to the people what are you seeing. Interesting. Okay. <laughs> I'm gonna send it through Discord. Okay. Hopefully, it'll uh, let you send it. My name is different on Discord, by the way. But just look for the same profile picture. No, you're good. I just sent it through uh like the chat. Oh, uh, okay, okay. 
Oh, I still don't see it. Give me. Oh, there it is. Okay. Oh man. <laughs> so what he linked me was an edit I did. This was eleven years ago. Now, wow. Uh, it's a tweet of mine. I said I edited this nine years ago. I remember being so proud. Now it's been eleven years. This is basically an edit I did for a guy called Enfear. It was a free for all montage. Uh, it was really the first montage I ever edited properly with effects and stuff and i was proud of this one because i did like the little ring effect like rotating rings around the sniper scope yeah. and i used twixter and stuff like that and uh i thought it was really cool another part of it that's really cool is uh there's a part that's motion tracked that says overkill on the screen like it's a text call that says overkill that is motion tracked onto the screen i did every single frame of that by hand through Sony Vegas Pancrofts. And I was really proud of that. And it took me way too fucking long because I never used After Effects at that time. I didn't know how to motion track. And I think the motion track came out really good, even though it was done frame by frame by hand, <laughs> like an idiot. Um, so yeah, it's basically, you just linked me an old edit of mine. And I think it's, uh, you know, at the time, I think it was pretty good. The montage did really well. But looking back at it now, I'm like, oh man. <laughs> god damn it bro fucking zerg grizz <laughs> replied to that tweet and said wish people still edited like this clean and smooth bro oh yeah see now i just want to give you your flowers right here bro you are a fucking legend bro and the, like the research i did on you i was like what the fuck this kid not this kid you're older than me but you know this guy is like <laughs> fucking amazing bro you're a fucking legend when you when i look back at it you did just so much for the COD scene, like, and to you, it may not be like a big deal or whatever, but you've been a part of some amazing fucking projects. Sky Gaming was fucking iconic back in the day. Like, you've done, you've just done a lot, bro, and I want you to know that, you know? I appreciate that, man. Thank you, bro. Now, I want to know, how do you feel about gaming being, like, more mainstream now? Oh, gaming, man. It's definitely changed uh, a lot since I was a kid. I've noticed a lot more companies are focusing more on monetization and microtransactions and all this bullshit. Yeah. Um, and while graphics being a big thing with the enhancements and technology, uh, it seems like a lot of gaming companies are losing focus of what's important and actually making good content and making good video games that are fun that you can play for a long time. I think CSGO and CS2 coming out, they're doing it fucking beautifully. Um, they know what it takes to make a good game. Valve is doing an amazing job uh, with this kind of strike franchise. And I think other games need to take note and stop trying to just, you know, use games as a cash cow to make money. Like, I, I miss the days where games were made for you to just enjoy and have fun. And nowadays, I think the focus is all over the place. You know, they're trying to take advantage of the technology with the effects and cool things you could do in realism. And I saw Shroud make a tweet about this, actually. Um, or rather a video of him uh, he mentioned how he hates realism in video games like when they try to make the games too real like all the little gun movements and jittering and sway and like all these little animations that they do he says that should be removed and I think that's why CS is so beautiful because it's so simple you have the basic animations the gameplay is fun it works the mechanics are dope and I think uh well, I like to hope more games follow that direction instead of trying to make everything, you know, 
picture perfect, so real, uh, where they lose sight of what's actually important. It's at the core, making a really fun game. So yeah, gaming is in a is in a weird spot. There's still definitely some fucking amazing games coming out that are doing everything perfect. Great graphics, great gameplay, great everything. But I've noticed a trend where more and more game companies are focusing on the wrong things. And the games die out quickly and gaming is is, is in a weird spot occasionally from time to time. So I, I hope it doesn't continue that trend. And I hope people learn from Counter-Strike and other games that have been doing this for so long that are still so successful for a reason. And uh, yeah, I guess we'll see. I, th- I think gaming is in a good spot though. Because with with Fortnite as well, I don't know if you've seen the Fortnite creative stuff coming out. That's crazy. Yeah, like, I've dude, seen that. I I want to play Fortnite now. <laughs> like seeing all that stuff, and I've never played Fortnite. Really? So, yes, yeah, so some games are are doing it right. They're letting people have fun, be creative, and you know you can still make a fuck ton of money if you do those things correctly. But I think a lot of you know, as I said, game companies they just want to make their money, cash out, and move on to the next thing. But if they make a game that's fun and enjoyable and can last years, like Fortnite or CSGO or whatever, you, you can make a fuck ton more money doing it that way. Yeah. I just think it's a lot harder. So I understand the decisions behind it, but yeah, the gaming industry, I think it's in a good spot now, but I definitely think it could be better is what I'm trying to say pretty much. Yeah, I feel that. Going back to the Fortnite shit, though, like even like Roblox is doing crazy shit too. Like that, uh, yeah. that COD game like called Frontlines that looks exactly like COD, but Looks a little better type shit almost. That's... Dude, I'm editing a video for Sore now. They played Roblox. They played Mario Kart in Roblox, man. Like, Bro. that's sick. That shit. It's crazy. But to go back to what you said about, like, seems like the big studios and big corporations are kind of losing the sight of, yep. like, what it means to make a good game and shit. And uh, I was just talking. I interviewed... um. This it's like a small game indie game development team. They made a game called Bleak Faith. It's not out. The uh the mm-hmm. interview's not out yet. But he was saying how like it feels like there's a big chunk of the game development industry that feels soulless. Like they only want to make money. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's kind of sad, bro. It's like it's disgusting as well. You know, it's like damn, bro. It's no um. I don't know. I don't even like getting into it because it kind of makes me sad a little bit. Because yeah. again, we've been playing games basically our whole life type shit since we were kids and to see it transfer into what it's going into now it's like damn bro really like you kind of just took my childhood and kind of just spit on it a little bit like <laughs> yeah, that's what it feels like sometimes man um did you... soulless is a good way to describe it sorry to cut you off there like again bro as an interviewer you were supposed to cut me off bro. <laughs> all right but uh did you ever think cod would make it this far oof i mean Seeing the success of COD 4 growing up and Modern Warfare 2 shortly after, like I, I knew it would always be around. Like It would take a lot for the series to fall off. Uh, I didn't expect it to still be in the millions of people playing it regularly mm-hmm. to this day. I, I, maybe not a million people played every day, but throughout the course of a month, week, whatever, um, over a million people buy the new COD every year. I don't know the exact numbers. I think it's millions, right? Yeah, it is. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, every so year somebody I, buys it, yeah. I didn't expect it to still be this big. I knew it'd still do well, like it'd always be around. But uh, no, absolutely did not expect it to be where it's at today. I mean, it's kind of, in my opinion, the series just fell off a little bit. Um, Every year it kind of deteriorates a little bit more and more. And they're one of the companies I'd say that's lost focus of what's important. It's just making a 
fun gameplay. They're focused too much on realism and catering to, you know, they're catering to the wrong audience, I feel like. Mm-hmm. And every player is getting frustrated. They're trying to cater towards casuals, but even the casual players don't like some of the decisions they're making. So it's really like, what are you, what are you guys doing, you know? And uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't expect it to be where it's at today. So it's kind of cool to see it still being around. But I'm also grateful that other people are playing other games and realizing how good they are yeah. and really diversifying their content. So, yeah. How do you feel about like the state of the Call of Duty community? I feel like it's in a much different state than it was years ago. Montages have almost died out yeah. entirely. I mean, there's still people making sick Hodges. Like, I'm looking forward to Exalt 3 from Exalt. Um, Ross Sniping is still making some sick Hodges. Um, I don't know what they have coming up for us, actually. But Chai's always telling me they have some cool stuff coming. So Raw and Exalt are still really making them. And a few other teams and stuff like that. Individually, some people are still making montages, but not as much. So the the cod scene is definitely different than what it used to be, what a lot of us grew up with. So it kind of sucks. Everyone's more focused now on like streaming and making content. It went in an entirely different direction. I mean, it's still good. I like seeing my friends make money and like, you know, turn this into a, a living. It'd be fucking sick if you could play video games and pay rent off that, you know? Um, so that is that is the good aspect of it. But I do miss the montages being uploaded almost every other week. You know, a big Taj comes out. That's just what it was 10 years ago, but unfortunately not the same today. So I've seen that you sometimes hold like Call of Duty tournaments. What made you want to start doing that? And do you see that being like a long-term thing? Oh, man. So with the Call of Duty tournaments, I, I saw it as like an opportunity to kill two birds with one stone. Um, the first being to give people exposure they deserve. Because I noticed a lot of good snipers were going under the radar. And I really encouraged them to enter my tournaments so they could show what they do. You know, and try to get a following from that. And I, I really wanted to give those people exposure and I really wanted to just see the community come together for something and, you know, be competitive and really prove who's the best to settle all the debates, you know, and who's the best sniper, all that stuff. That was my first priority, right? And then as I was putting it together, I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. This, this might actually be really good for my, my Twitch career at the same time, you know, because mm-hmm. People were donating a lot of money towards the prize pool. And I'm like, wait a minute. I'm actually going to have a sick tournament. Like, a lot of people are going to watch this. And it's going to be hype. And everyone's going to love it. And everyone involved is going to enjoy it. People watching it had a fucking sick time. And I had a lot of fun casting it, you know, because not only was I able to accomplish what I wanted and give these people exposure, like random snipers no one's ever heard of. I'm making it the second round, third round, having pop-off games. Yeah, like DJ, for example. Um, if you know Deej or DJ, um, I didn't know know of him before my first tournament, but he popped off. He went crazy in those games, and I followed him, and so did a lot of other people in the sniping community. And it was, it was really cool to see people like that get the recognition they deserve, along with other snipers, you know, that really made a name for themselves through tournaments like Drew and Strack, for example. Like they were they were already doing well for themselves, but I think their performance in tournaments really helped their reputation. Like Strack was known as the guy, you know, he's known as number one because of how well he played in tournaments and stuff like that, along with his normal streaming content and whatever. Um, 
so yeah it was really cool my initial intention was just to like have a fun thing you know get people exposure and really determine who's the best but seeing how well it did on twitch and you know realizing it, it could help me on the path to partner as well it, it also was like it was killing two birds with the one stone it was really cool so I'm like, damn, this has like benefits in every fucking direction, man. <laughs> like, I got to keep doing this. And that's why I think so many people caught on and started doing tournaments as well. Because they, they realized like it, it, it helps everybody, man. Everyone enjoys being in a tournament, especially if there's a prize. If you can win something, it benefits them, gives them exposure. It helps the streamer. Like, it, it's just, it, it's good for everyone, you know, especially when it's ran well and organized properly. Um, tournaments are some of the best events in the community, I'd say. And I've, I've only done, I think, three or four i've helped out with a few more co-casting but uh there yeah there are a lot of work there are a lot of work to do well so i can't do them that often but yeah every every few months i'd like to do one if possible the only issue is funding is really hard to come by like the tournaments i had were 1500 2000 like almost three thousand dollars and getting that kind of funding is really difficult i know saski if you know her she funds her own tournaments man like she put, she put up thousands of dollars, so I have a lot of respect for her. She's fucking crazy, but uh, yeah, it's hard, man. It's hard to do them consistently, but I'd love to if I had the funding. So yeah. Okay, so if you had the funding, you could see it as like a long term type of thing. Oh, dude, if if I had the funding for tournaments, uh, I would do them as much as possible. I would like make that all my content. Okay, like, it, it would be dope as fuck because I love watching really good players play, and I love the matches how intense they get. And just casting is really fun. Because I like to break the game down from like an analytical point. So I, I always felt like I'm not as good of a player. But when it comes to coaching, because I have a co background in coaching and like analytics and just like reviewing the film and stuff like that and strategizing, I think I excel more at that. So that kind of comes in with casting. And I'm able to cast a lot better because of that. Like I can point out things that people don't realize, like early rotations or why he's holding this angle, why he's holding that spot, like the trades that he's getting. You know, stuff like that. And I really like talking about that while I'm watching. So yeah, casting is really fun. It's one of the other reasons why I did it. Okay. So do you think like if if a tournament had like enough funding, everything was planned perfectly, do you think it could bring competitive sniping back? Or Yeah, definitely. But it would need a lot of money. Mm -hmm. I, I, think, I think if there was a random millionaire that's watching, and they're like, hey, I really like competitive sniping. I think competitive sni sniping is cool. Like, these guys are crazy hitting some sick shots. I think if they threw a lot of money at us and told us to host tournaments regularly, we could do it. And it would be really exciting. Obviously, it'd never be on the level of normal competitive COD. Yeah. But I think if done well and the right people will show some love to it, there could definitely be a tournament that averaged over 1,000 viewers easily. I think the best, biggest tournament we've had for sniping averaged over five to six hundred viewers and that was bams and he's already you know he at the time he averaged around 250 viewers on twitch mm -hmm. so that was only like 300 400 more than normal for him um but still i definitely think with all the right people involved and the right funding and promotion over a thousand viewers watching a single tournament is possible for sniping only but it would take a lot for that to happen Okay, let's let's get into that a little bit. So, like, let's say you had like a fucking magic wand, right? You can make anything happen. <laughs> like, what steps would you take to revive the competitive sniper community? Like, if you had infinite reach, infinite resources, infinite money, how would you revive it? Okay, if there was infinite money, I would definitely 
try to make it into like a league, you know, mm-hmm. and maybe with eight to 12, 16 teams max, and every team would get a, um, an amount of money, just like how they do in Dota and stuff. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but even like eighth place gets a fuck ton of money during their biggest tournaments. And I would love for that to happen in the sniping community. So they have something to strive towards, you know, like they, they train, they practice, they scrim. Uh, knowing that no matter what happens, they're going to get a decent amount of money, you know? So all their time is not wasted. I feel like a lot of people in the sniping community, when they enter these tournaments, a lot of their time and money is wasted because really there's only two or three teams winning everything. So for everyone else, it's really just, you know, a, a lot of teams that I know, they enter, they pay the $10, $20 entry fee, whatever, and they just lose in the first or second round. And it's, you know, over time that adds up. Like you paid two hundred dollars in entry fees the last two years, and you just lost, and you got no exposure from it. You're not even having fun. You're just getting blown out by all these crazy teams. It's not fun. Yeah, you know, it's not fun for the viewers to see that. It's not fun for the players. Um, but if there was an incentive for everybody to really scrim and practice and train, like there was some guaranteed money at the end of it for almost every team. Like maybe with eight teams, you do a tournament with a lot of money. And the eighth place team, even they get like three hundred dollars each, just for showing up, you know, like that. That would be cool. Like, that would be dope. But they would take a lot of money, and I don't yeah. think it's realistic, unfortunately. So that's one of the things I do to make people more interested in taking more seriously. Because when people take it more seriously, you know, like if somebody like Rhyme or Zephy were in a sniping tournament and there's a lot of money on the line, they take it seriously. They tell their fans, their supporters, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they'd get more involved. There'd be hype around it. Word would spread. Other people would take it more seriously. Like every community would be so focused on competitive sniping, you know. So the big prize pool would definitely help. And the other things would be like trying to involve some pros to watch it. Like it, it dude. If anyone from Optic, like Scumpy, Hex, Dashy, whoever, had any sort of interest in watching it or mentioned it anywhere, it would also get a significant jump. Like just a mention on Twitter or through their chat, like talking about it from one of those guys could get like 50 to a hundred viewers on the, on the, uh, on the Twitch broadcast, mm-hmm. you know? And if they talked about it more, it could be exponentially more. Like it could set it off like crazy. Like if Scump really, because Scump has sniped before, like he has a sniping clip of five on, on I forgot what map it was on Cold War and stuff like that. And he posted it and shit like that. So if he ever got interested and wanted to watch a random sniping tournament that was like hosted professionally and had a big prize pool and stuff like that, like it could really blow the scene up. And suddenly every tournament would have like a minimum average of 500 viewers on Twitch, maybe a, a thousand, two thousand, so on, whatever. Like the right people watching it and influencing it and saying, this is sick. Like these guys are really talented. There's a lot of money involved. It could really blow the scene up, I think. But it would take so much work, man. It would take a lot of reach, a lot of money some connections and uh yeah interesting it'd be cool to happen it'd be cool i think i think it will eventually just the right person has to hear this oh yeah um i've seen a video that you said if you could do everything all over again that you wouldn't do the competitive sniping or editing like you just focus on playing the game and making content why do you think you said that at that time oh because as as an editor you're always behind the scenes mm-hmm. you know when i was making content i started off with my own youtube channel 
and I was making trick shot episodes. My trick shots were horrible. We're doing like 360s and 720s and stuff mm -hmm. uh, with nothing else. It was, it was really far back in the day, man, before temper shots even existed. Um, so I was doing trick shots copying Zerka. I don't know if you know Zerka from the Sidemen. He used to be a trick shotter as well. Made like a little cam series back in the day. Um, so I, I copied that and I was doing really well. And all my friends were watching the videos because they were like, dude, it's so cool. You have a HD PVR. You can record videos in your game. Like not very many people were uploading like gameplay and content back then. It was a lot more rare than it is now. Now everyone records. Everyone has Shadow Player OBS or an Elgato. Yeah. Um, literally every single person you know of has a way of recording their gameplay. But back then it was like, it was far less common. Um, so just having a recording device put you ahead of so many other people. And I was one of the early people to get into it. And my channel was doing kind of well. Like I got 500 subs within like, I don't know, a really short period of time. And before, and then I eventually get a, got up to 1,000. And it, it didn't take that long. It took like a few months uh, to get to 1,000 subs. And I was finally starting to see traction. Then I started Skies Gaming. And I started, you know, I put my content in the back seat and I started focusing on Skies and I grew Skies to like 35,000 subs. And I really wish I focused more on myself because comp sniping was a niche. It was much smaller in the grand scheme of things. But if I focused on myself on my own channel, like trickshotting and this sniping content, just content in general, I could have ended up being way bigger than Skies on my own. Just because I was one of the first people doing it, like even if I wasn't interesting or entertaining or making good content, I'd be getting clicks, you know? Yeah. And I really wish I took advantage of that. And I, I wish I could go back in time and tell myself, dude, just focus on yourself, make content. Doesn't matter how good it is, just post. People will watch. Because that's just what it was like back then, you know? It's different now. Now, to make it, you have to be really interesting or creative or consistent. Or you have to have like some fucking outstanding quality it's way different now and you have to tiktok streaming youtube whatever yeah. everything at once it's so different now so yeah if i can go back in time i'd absolutely just post for myself and like focus individually instead of on making a team and stuff like that because who knows maybe, maybe i could have made it to phase as a player if i really focused on myself yeah i'm sure you're saying you would have never like created skies at all oh never if i could redo it over i would never do that I mean, I don't regret it at all. Don't get me wrong. Okay. I think it's really cool, and I had a lot of fun in Skies, but if I could redo it over, I would never create it. Wow. So, what if, like, you could go back in time, you still had Skies created, but you kind of took a step back and gave somebody else the keys to run it while you're still, like, owner and shit like that? Would you have did that, or just not at all? Um, no, nah, I, I wouldn't have done it at all. Yeah. I would have purely focused on myself and been more selfish and tried to make it because i it, we could have i could have been in a really different spot right now if yeah. i did that and i took advantage yeah it's like getting into bitcoin early <laughs> yeah, I, I see what you're saying, like, yeah. I had the opportunity and i didn't realize it back then i don't think any of us did um and who knows what would have happened man like i feel like my channel even if even if i wasn't doing that well or like wasn't that interesting i just feel like my channel would be like two three hundred k minimum because mm -hmm. i was just so early into the scene you know everyone from back then 
did really fucking well if you started at the time. And I had the momentum. I just got up to a thousand subs like really quick. And you know, I felt like the sky was the limit. And I just I took it the wrong direction. Although I'm very proud of what I did with Skies though. Like it's pretty cool and stuff. I enjoyed my experience and the people I've met. But I, w I would trade it all to go back and restart for sure. That's understandable. It is. How yeah. did the creation of Skies Gaming come about? I don't know if you spoke on this earlier. It started when I got invited to a comp sniping scrim from somebody I met at a public match. And I really liked, you know, just sniping against those guys and seeing how good they were. And I thought it was so cool. So then I got into comp sniping and then I started looking for people I could play with to make a team. And I found the perfect people that nobody knew of that weren't really in any other teams. And it took me like two weeks to come up with a cool name. And I like the name Skies because it looked sick in graffiti. <laughs> That's why I, I chose it. Um, and then they all liked it a lot. We all changed our names and uh, that was it. I had a lot of success early on because we took our time. We were patient. And uh, yeah. So when you made Skies Gaming, did you... Because I feel like a lot of... Because I've been there where I've made just a clan. It's not even really a clan. It's just a group of friends. We're all playing. We just have a name, but we don't go into content. So when you made Skies, did you always know that you want to transfer it over into content as well? Um, No. The primary focus was just competitive sniping. And I wish we didn't have that focus at, at the beginning, but I didn't know better. Uh, if I could, if I had to do Skies over again, I definitely would have made it content and competitive sniping from the get-go because getting into the content and the montage side of things that late in the skies gaming really cost us and uh we weren't as experienced and we made some poor recruits and the content just wasn't as good as other teams doing it for years you know so i think if we started right away and i also had like a montage team uh, we would we could have potentially grown a lot bigger than we did and maybe i'd still be a part of skies today you know wow yeah, yeah. Some, so that definitely would be something I changed. Yeah, like some of those videos, man. Like I said, fucking hilarious, bro. The Doritos crash course. I I don't know who it was, <laughs> but somebody was screaming at the top of their lungs, dog. That shit. Had me oh crying. yeah, <laughs> those guys were Blabber and Terrell. Those guys were hilarious. On one of your videos, you said that you chose the name Adapt because it meshed really well with Skies. If you could go back, would there have been another name that you would have chosen? Uh, I like Pride. Pride would look cool too. Sky's Pride. But I think Adapt was cool because uh, it had really good synergy with the word Skies. Like if you write it down, I like, like this, this is really weird. <laughs> but from an artistic point of view, Adapt looks sick with Skies because, for example, you have the S as a capital and I ended it with a capital T. So you have like a perfect balance there. It's mm -hmm. almost symmetrical. And then you have the the Y, it dips under. Same with the P, it also dips under. And you have the A in the middle, which is like almost like a circle. So from a artistic standpoint, if you draw it out or like do graffiti of it, it has a really sick balance, like from the beginning to the end of the word. So that's why I really like that 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 word. And uh that's why it looks so cool together. And uh yeah, I, I don't think I'd change it. Maybe it's the sky's pride, because I like the, the name pride a lot. But yeah, I think adapt was definitely the best for skies. It's crazy how you just broke that down, bro. Like, that is true. Like, it is symmetrical. Like you said, the, the S and the T, and then the Y and the um, 
the P. Yep. <laughs> it's crazy that you broke it down like that. What the hell? Yeah, I I think a lot of people would think of me as weird for saying that, but I saw that I and I'm know. like, dude, that's actually really sick. Cause you know, that's my art brain I'm trying yeah. to just like process things. And yeah. And uh, coming from somebody that used to do graffiti, that makes perfect sense. That that doesn't yeah. that's not weird at all. So why did you change it to Pride? Um, so when I was in Skies, there was a point where I quit entirely, right? And I wanted a fresh start. I wanted a brand new fresh start. So I changed my alias. I deleted like almost everybody. I didn't tell anybody. And I just changed the pride. And I started editing YouTube videos, like montage and stuff. I didn't want people to know that I was from the comp sniping scene. I wanted to be seen as somebody like somebody brand new, a different person. I don't want any of my success to carry over. You know, I don't want to get opportunities because of who I am. Uh, or I don't want to be seen differently. And I don't want my comp sniping past to be brought up. Like, oh, he's just a comp sniping editor. I just wanted to be an editor, you know? I wanted a fresh start. I wanted to be known as something else. So I changed the name to Pride. I ended up having some success. Nobody knew who I really was. And uh, yeah, it was kind of cool. Eventually, a lot of people found out. When I became leader of Envy, like a year later, that's when people kind of found out I used to be uh, Sky's Adapt as well. And uh, yeah, so that, that's that's why I changed it just to kind of kind of get a fresh start. It's like a name change in a different country, almost. I thought it was I thought it was a cool idea. It's kind of cringe, edgy at the time, maybe, but I don't know. I like I don't regret that at all. <laughs> I think it's cool. I think I remember seeing you seeing a video of you addressing this, but I think I might I might ask it anyway. Mm. Why did you end skies? I remember seeing in an old Banks video you said that you basically lost. The passion for it was that the only reason yeah pretty much lost the passion for it i didn't want it to deteriorate and become a team that no one enjoyed watching anymore that really fell off and before it really got to that point i decided it would be best to end it that's crazy that you say that like because i went over to the old channel and looked at the comments mm -hmm. i seen a comment that said i wish skies gaming never ended then somebody else said Skies was my childhood. I was like, what the fuck? Like, it's crazy that you have that viewpoint of it, but then other people may have the complete opposite. And they're like, really, like, they're sad that it ended type shit. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, I know I know what you mean. But looking back at the time, it definitely felt a different way. Like, later on, years down the road, you can get nostalgic about it. Like, those people might have. Like, I, I do occasionally. Mm -hmm. But at, at the time, it felt entirely different. Like, it wasn't going the right direction. Um. The comp sniping team was still really good. Those guys were all insanely talented. Like so, some of them went on to be Radiant and Valorant. One of them is playing professional NBA 2K for Team USA. Yeah. Uh, others are top 500 in Overwatch or top players in Apex. Like it's really insane how talented a lot of those guys were. Like they were fucking insane gamers. Like almost every single member from the competitive sniping team went on to be like top 0.1 percent in a different game or even playing professionally in some cases so it was really fucking cool um seeing them progress throughout the years as gamers after skies ended but you know at the time with comp sniping comp sniping wasn't doing as well Xgen ended they, they were the other big team in the community there was really rm was a big team other than that like 
I, I think the main thing that turned me away from comp sniping is some teams came into the community and they wanted like to influence the rankings on a day-by-day basis like you know how in boxing and ufc it's like you have a title fight every one to three months four months maybe right but in comp sniping they wanted to have that match for number one every single day (laughs) and sometimes even two or three times in the day like in the morning and in the afternoon you know so if they lost in the morning they want to rematch at night for the number one spot i'm like dude it shouldn't it shouldn't be like this every single day yeah you know, like you just, it it should be like you, you have a match, you set it up maybe once a week. That's the match that determines it. You know, not every day. And so teams like the number one and number two, number three, number four teams, these guys would play each other like 10 times a week at one point. <laughs> and I'm like, dude, it, you all have like these records against each other. So if one team wins, one team beats a team once in the latest game, they take the spot over them, even though the team beat them three times before that yeah you know like oh our record against this team we're seven and two against them overall in the last like month because they beat us last all these ranking channels put them above us and i'm like what the fuck yeah that makes no we're sense. Still better. They, they beat us once bro like what what do you mean like we just beat them three times in a row this week and they're like oh my god yeah but they beat you last yeah like, it was so fucking weird and the people that, that ran most of the ranking channels most of them were absolutely clueless um I mean that with full disrespect. And <laughs> Bruh. It, it kind of it kind of ruined the competitive sniping community, how much people cared about rankings as well. Like individually, people were kill whoring just to get placed better. Mm. And they weren't really playing to win. And the whole rankings thing, like people just wanted to be ranked number one and they didn't really care about and they, they didn't really have a long term vision for the competitive community. And they didn't really understand how it would affect things. Like if if you speed it up that much, it's gonna shorten the lifespan of competitive sniping. You know, it's the same thing. Like if you had a major for Valorant or CS:GO or Call of Duty, like every week, like it would it would lose interest. Mm-hmm. You know, but if you have these huge events every like two, three, four months, people tune in, man. Everyone watches it, and that's what comp sniping should have been like. Not all these big matches every single day. Like it shouldn't happen. People lose interest. It it died the community out really fast because rankings were so inconsistent. Uh, everyone just got tired of all that bullshit that was associated with it. A lot of drama and bickering between teams. Like mm-hmm. it just really turned me off. And a lot of immature kids because everyone was so young at the time. And there's a lot of cool people in the community for sure. A lot of great friends I met, but there's also a lot of people that were a little interesting <laughs> to put it one way. Yeah. So yeah. I yeah. I wish people had a different approach to it and thought long term and like could see the big picture, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy how you were saying there are people that were a part of skies that now they're either like top 500 in Overwatch, one of the some of the best players in Apex. And it's crazy you said that cuz one of the questions I have on here is being a part of skies when you were editing someone's clips, did you ever see someone's clips and go like, "Damn, I'm super proud of this kid." Yeah, there's a few people like that. And all, all those guys ended up being the ones that are successful, you know? And I really think if, if they wanted to go pro, like some of them did go pro, like Crushy, for example. He's the guy playing for uh, um, Team USA and NBA 2K. He's a professional player making a salary playing 2K for a living. 
and other guys like Animal, he's radiant, for example, in Valorant. And Drago is top 500 in Overwatch, and Studsy's really good at Apex, and all these guys. And the other guy, there's a, even more of them. Uh, they're just fucking really good at everything they touch. I really think if they focus on like a single game and didn't go to school or university and just tried to focus on gaming, they could have went pro like all of them in whatever game they wanted. And they, they were just so talented. And it, Com- Comp Snipers really had some fucking crazy people in the community. Like Dash, it came from Comp Sniping as well. Yeah. And um, so, yeah, I was definitely proud of them for sure. And I, I wish some of them like tried to go pro well, more of them tried to go pro in something, but I understand like they want to be doctors yeah. and other stuff. Like they have careers, so I mean, I'm, I hope they're all doing well in life. I know some of them really are because they had a good head on their shoulders. But they could have made it in gaming if they wanted to. I, I firmly believe that. Absolutely, some of them at least. If Skies would have still been around to this day, and you put a hundred percent in it, how how much of a higher point you think it would have got to? If guys was still around, uh, honestly, I don't. I don't think it would have gotten much bigger. You don't think so? Because competitive sniping kind of competitive sniping was definitely on a decline, and I don't think we would have had much growth from that anymore. And with YouTube, we never really had much momentum on the YouTube side of things, so it would have been, it likely would have fizzled out before we ever hit hundred thousand subs. I'd say. Really. And. Yeah, if we stuck with it all those years, and it continued, uh, I don't, I don't know if we'd ever hit hundred thousand subs. Maybe if we had a breakthrough, but mm-hmm. it, yeah, it'd probably be one of those teams that had like eighty k, and every video had like a couple hundred views, and that's it. Like that, that's what it would be like right now if it was still alive today. Interesting. Or who knows? Maybe, maybe we could have blown up and like done a complete revamp and changed everything and taken it a different direction, and it could have been crazy. Maybe we'd be up there with Soar and Parallel or other teams, but uh, I don't know. It's interesting. I um, One of the questions on here, I'm pretty sure I know your answer to this question, but is have you ever thought of trying to bring Skies back? Yeah, I have, but as a different kind of team. Um, but I don't think it's realistic. because I don't really have the pull to make it into a big team. And it takes a lot of work, and I don't have that kind of time either yeah. to run a team pop properly. And because we'd be so small, we'd probably have our players getting poached by other teams. And I just don't like dealing with that. I don't want my players getting poached. And I don't want to have to worry about people leaving and so on. And all this stuff. Like, yeah, I'd make the team as fun as possible. i try to make their benefit to being a part of the team. But when you're that small and you're just starting off, if I had like a million subs and I was doing really well, yeah, it'd be really cool to start Skies and start my own team because I know it can get somewhere. Like I'd have the people supporting it immediately, and people would want to join. It'd be easier to recruit, and you know they could get something from it. But where I am right now, if I made a team, it would just be a really small team. Like I, I don't think it would grow very fast, or or at all. Like it would take a long time to get anything really going with it, unless I had connections and money and funding and all this stuff. Okay, so let's say like if right now, like if I magically just made fucking 50 mil just appear in my hand and I put it in your hand and said, bring back Skies, <laughs> would you do it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I would hire so many people under contract. Like I, I would get the biggest creators I could. 
like anyone I know that would be willing to be a part of Skies for money, I would ask them immediately. Like whatever I could afford them for. Like if if you give me fifty million, dude, I'd spend at least. Oh boy, I don't I don't even know a few million just on securing creators for a few years. Like if I if I could take five million of that, and secure whoever the fuck I wanted for a content roster. Um. Like you can get the biggest creators. I, I dude, I would go outside of the COD community, bro. We make guys a content team, like offline TV or or oh, that'd be fire. Hundred Thieves or something like that. Like it'd be everything. <laughs> We'd have a pro team in Valorant, CS:GO, everything. You know, fifty million. It'd be an entirely different org. But yeah, I'd definitely bring it back. That's crazy because that's what it takes yeah. now to like really make a successful esports team. Like a lot of this shit, it's not. You know, it. I don't want to say it isn't profitable but like it kind of it isn't profitable type shit like it's yeah it's very hard to make money within the esports scene unless you're a game developer if you're a game developer and you make like a pro and if you like franchise and you're like cod i think the buy-in is like what in like 25 million or some shit like that yeah it's expensive man like if you're a developer you're making and a publisher you're making you're making it back but for a team it's not profitable at the moment um yeah, even some of the Go most ahead. successful teams are struggling, man. Like they're yeah. laying off people almost every month in the esports industry. So it's tough. Yeah. It sucks. You need a lot of funding behind you. I think 100 Thieves, they laid off quite a bit of people too. It's, but I, li- I like the direction Nate Shot's going. Like he's, he's making a, oh, yeah. the Juvie energy drink thing, yep. um, developing a video game. So I see his vision. He's very, very smart at, at what he's doing. Um, but I want to yeah, ask you. I want to ask you is there any people in the cod community that kind of disappeared and you were sad about it whether they be editors snipers content creators if you can name them yeah one that immediately comes to mind is loams uh phase loams i used to edit for him uh really cool guy i just remember before he quit he really got into csgo with me and he hit global elite and he just played csgo all the time and that's why he kind of stopped making videos on cod and after he played CSGO for so much, he just kind of disappeared from everything. And later, I just found out he deleted his channel. So his channel's no longer even up. And so, yeah, I wonder where Loams is. And I also wonder where this guy called Vizu is. He used to be an editor. Uh, he was in Soar. I don't know if he ever made it into Phase or not. But he did some edits for the Phase channel as well. He was also a sick player. And I wonder what happened to him. Because I think he deleted his channel as well. So Loams and Vizu were definitely the two that I... Uh, I wish they never deleted the channels for the most, for sure. Loams and Vizu, shout out to y'all, man. It's crazy how like there's so many people that are super talented in the community and they just like disappear or they stop making content. Like it's kind of like I don't know, it's 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 sad to see. Saying that, I want to say that I'm glad that you're still here, bro. You know what I'm saying? No, I appreciate that. <laughs> what was your favorite memory being in Skies? Favorite memory? I think it would have to be the first time we beat like early on in competitive sniping when it wasn't as crazy and we beat a team that was ranked number three they were called jinx we were like a pretty unknown team we were never ranked nobody ever heard of us but we beat that team that was ranked so high they didn't really know who we were they didn't take it seriously they thought we were just another clan match like maybe they can get a recording out of it get some content for their channel like post a clan match and we beat them out of nowhere and we had some crazy highlights like our guys had the plays of their lives if you ever want to watch it, it's called skies versus jinx 
Jinx. It's like J-Y-N-X, I believe. And it's one of our earliest videos. And some of the plays our guys made in that video were insane. Like quad feeds in a 4v4 competitive sniping match with respawn delay. That early on uh, was an amazing memory. Because I, I don't think any of us expected that we could win. Like we all, obviously we all had the mentality that we're going to win. We're better than these guys. Like we're, we're, we're going to play to win. But realistically, I don't think anyone thought we would win that game. So when we won that game, it kind of like kickstarted our our channel and our team. And that was probably one of the best memories because the video did really well. And these guys started getting reputations for themselves, like how good they were uh, on my team. And they started making names for themselves and it was really cool. And uh, yeah, it's probably the best memory I have early on, like seeing that success. It's pretty dope. And we were so happy after the match. Like we were like, holy shit, dude. We beat a ranked team. We can actually do this, you know? So that was pretty cool. How did you join Envy? How or why? Well, well, I guess both, yeah. Um, How did I join Envy? It's when I got an editing trial from Tasmo. Tasmo liked my edits. He knew me from Skies. He's, he's one of like the five people who knew me. He said, hey, edit my montage, dude. I'm like, okay, I got you. So I edited his montage. And it was not that bad. So it was good enough for Envy to want to give me a trial as an editor. And I took the trial. I edited a video for Tense Envy. And they liked it enough to let me in, even though I was the only DMB editor they had. They only really edited rock stuff. You know, it was kind of a different time. So DMB was not as popular back then. So the fact that they liked me was really cool. And that's how I joined Envy from a trial from Tasmo. Tasmo is really fucking sick. Uh, I love Tasmo. And why did I want to join Envy? Because they were really respected in the community. Like every everyone loved Envy. Like they just had they they how do I explain this? Uh they were like the premier team you wanted to join if you're a sniper. Mm -hmm. Obviously there was FaZe and everyone wanted to join FaZe and Soar and stuff like that. But the other the only other teams that were like mentioned in the same vein were Envy, Raw, people loved Raw, Exalts and that's about it. So it was really cool being a part of Envy. And that's why I wanted to join. And what year was that? Well, that dude, that had to have been like 2012, maybe. Damn. Long time ago. 10 so, years from now. So if we were to go back into 2012, right, and tell Envy Pride that in 2022, Envy would turn, basically turn into Optic, what do you think your response would have been? If Envy kept going? So what I'm saying is if, if we were to go back into mm -hmm. 2012 and I were to tell Envy Pride that in 2022, oh. <laughs> Envy would turn into Optic, what do you think he would have said? Yeah, that would have been crazy, man, because Optic was another dream team that a lot of people wanted to join back we then until FaZe took over. But a lot of people still wanted to join Optic. Like, it was still the goal. So that would have been sick to go from Envy to Optic, but... I don't know if they would have taken the sniping team over because it was kind of like a different branch. Mm -hmm. But it still would have been dope to be associated with Optic, you know? Going back in time, is that something that you could have... How do I put it? In 2012... Oh, damn, how do I word this? Did, does this seem like that would have been possible for Envy and Optic to join and be one back in 2012? Did that make sense? or? Uh, I think it would have made sense. But it would take a lot of roster cuts. Like they'd have to, mm -hmm. 
cut people from one team or both to make sure the roster is not overpopulated. Because if they merge the teams, the sniping things at least, the roster would have been like 40 plus people and it would have been just too much. Like, you, you don't want a roster like that. You want a, a recognizable roster where everyone is known. Everyone is, everyone has a great reputation mm-hmm. and everyone can pump out content. And for that, you need like anywhere from, I don't know, 15 to 20 people back then. That was the standard. So, yeah, I mean, it would have been possible, but a lot of people would have had to get the boot. <laughs> so, yeah. Would you have been surprised if they would have merged back in 2012? Oh, absolutely. Because Optic yeah. was so much bigger. They, they were just gigantic. They were like 10 times the size of Envy back then. And they're still huge today. So, respect to Optic, man. Like, I always admired Hex. Uh, X was always somebody I looked up to back then. Especially because he did the graffiti stuff too. I wanted to do that as well. I wanted to do some graffiti and controllers and sell it, but uh, I never had the materials for it because I was a young kid. So mm-hmm. I didn't know how to get my hands on it. <laughs> but yeah, that would have been cool. Yeah, for everybody still listening, thank you for still listening. We're almost done with this with this interview. Uh, thank you, Pride, for still sticking in there, man. We're almost done, brother. Almost finished. Um, oh yeah, what what else you got for me, man? <laughs> yeah, there there's a couple <laughs> there's a couple more questions on here, quite a bit. But uh, right. so was there ever talks of trying to bring back envy sniping? Because I remember there was a tweet like in 2014 that basically said it ended, but then there was another tweet in 2016 that hinted at it being returned, and you were tagged in it. Do you remember that? Yeah, there were talks of it coming back, but none of them were ever really serious. Like it was mainly just, you know, for interactions or engagement purposes on Twitter. Oh, I don't yeah. think anyone really wanted to bring it back. But I think we all, if if the right person set it into motion, like I, we needed permission from Hastro, that's the thing. And if Hastro doesn't want a sniping team because he's like the big owner, yeah. if he doesn't want one, it's never happening. So if he wanted to make one, it absolutely would have happened. He would need to step in and say, hey, I want this to happen. Um, we would have... A lot of us would have came back and made it happen. So yeah, it, it that's the only way it would have happened. It's just for Astro to intervene. How did you come about being a, a part of Twenty Three Crowns? Uh, Pomaj approached me and said he wanted to make a team like Kingsman, and I was like, "Dude, that sounds fucking sick." So what's my role in this? He's like, "Oh, I want you to be a leader." I'm like, "Oh, okay. <laughs> so let's do it. We'll we'll figure out the logo." So I made the logo in Sony Vegas. Uh, I made the background and everything. I designed all that shit in Sony Vegas somehow. And then uh, we got the people that we wanted for the roster. I picked out a few people. Zwyman picked out a few people. Pomage picked out some people he wanted. And we made a pretty cool roster that we were all happy with. And yeah, that, that's pretty much how it came about. Yeah, 23 Crown seems super like um, close-knit, super invite-only type of thing. So if you could... I don't know if you could say this, but if you could recruit somebody right now to 23 Crowns, who would you choose? Yeah, I don't even know if you could say that. Can you say that? or? Uh, yeah, I guess I could. But I don't really think there's anyone I'd want to recruit right now, honestly. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's a few people who could deserve it. A few people in the community that have been mentioned before, but off the top of my head, I can't really think of them. Um, D- oh, actually, Dices would probably be a good one. Dices has always been top tier as a sniper. He's somebody I'd say would deserve it. Uh, as far as other people, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of people I know yeah. 
that we could invite to the team, but I'm just I'm drawing a blank right now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, f- I feel like a lot of people deserve it. We just can't fit them all in, unfortunately. So, yeah. Do you have a top five favorite cards? Uh, Modern Art for two, COD four, Black Ops two, Modern for three, and Cold War. Really, Cold War? Huh? Yep, I love Cold War. It's so good. It's really underrated, I think. Yeah, this man just. Huh? Yeah, I- I'm surprised it didn't. I mean, it, dude, Cold War did well on YouTube. People blew up off Cold War. It was doing well on Twitch. People enjoyed playing it. Like it was good for montages. Uh, the gameplay just felt great. It was smooth. And they had the nine v nine or whatever. Uh, oh wait, was it twelve v twelve? Ten v ten? I forgot. But either way, it was it was just fucking sick. The maps were good. Everything about it was good, man. So yeah, I really enjoyed it. You have a top five favorite snipers? Um, intervention. M forty eight three from COD four. Tundra from Cold War. Uh MSR from Modern Warfare three and shit. I don't know what'd be after that. I don't think I have a favorite now. I'd say just those four. Okay, so like what about like people who snipe? Oh, you mean people who snipe? Oh, <laughs> it's, it's okay. It's okay. People who snipe, I'd go with the uh, Spratty, Pomage, Zephy. Are we talking like favorite to watch or best snipers? Your top five, your personal top five. Oh, my top five. Okay. Well, this goes basically off like you know legacy and over the years how much they've done not just recent stuff so pomage obviously has a crazy history throughout the years and i've worked with him personally so i'd, I'd put him in my top five sprat as well is fucking insane i think there was a poll done recently on who the best sniper in the community is from like the sniper wiki or whatever and everyone voted for sprat he was unanimous number one um so sprat definitely zephy's up there uh, basically, the Spice Boys, if you know them, like Rhyme and Debbie and those mm-hmm. guys, they'd yeah. probably all get a mention. I think Zelta deserves some mention because he's been doing it for a while. Arkin as well. Bams deserves some love too. And recently, I'd say Strax. I mean, so I can't give you like a top, a top five, but yeah, all those snipers. Basically, a lot of the people in Twenty Three Crowns. Yeah. Salsa as well. This I think Salsa is really underrated. Um, that guy, that guy's fucking sick. So, uh, yeah, just those are some of the names I'd consider. Yeah, my top five personal, and it's gonna be the same for every single time. Like, I think I said it in the Zephy interview. I said it in uh the Moore's interview. My personal ones that I like to watch is Testy, Scope, Deb V, Zephy, Rhyme, and Pam, for sure. Oh yeah. Oh, I I can't forget about Scope and uh Testy, and also Fi. Fi, Nez, and Type. I played the tournament with them. Those guys are disgusting. Type and Nez aren't a part of 23 Crowns, but they're also sick. So, yeah. Can't forget about those guys. I was going back, and I watched one of your old... It was like an old mini-ties that you did called Obscure. And I just thought it was super cool that you had it named that, and now you're on Obscure Image Podcast. But how do you <laughs> how how did you come about coming up with the names for your montages back then? Uh, usually, it was just from the song any part of the song or how I felt like what kind of emotions or anything it gave off. Like if it was, if it was a dark song, I'd probably want like a dark edgy name as cringe as, as that sounds. Um, if it was something upbeat, I'd name it like electric or something like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So yeah, that's, that's how I came up with names. <laughs> this is really simple shit like that. Try to try and match the the feel of the edit or the music or something. Okay. Now this is something. Now this question is personally for me. I know you're like big into anime, so I want to. Yeah. I want to give you my type, my top five anime, and I want you to recommend me three based off what I like. Okay. Ooh. Okay. So my top five. My list probably gonna get shit on, but this is my personal top five. Okay. Parasite, Death Note, Cells at Work, Seven Deadly Sins, and Yu-Gi-Oh. So if you could recommend me wow. three, what would you recommend me? Off of those? Wow. That's actually a little bit different. Well, I love Parasite and Death Note. Seven Deadly Sins also good. I didn't... Uh, what were the other two? Um, Cells at Work and Yu-Gi-Oh. Souls at work. Yeah, I'm cells actually... at work. It's like a anime oh, about at work. some cells like in a body, like basically your blood cells in a body type shit. Okay. So that, that's a little bit of a different taste mm -hmm. than uh what I normally am into. Like it's very easy for me to recommend, you know, action, like well animated stuff, like good storyline, fantasy. But you you have more of like a uh, intellectual kind of reference it seems and i don't really watch that type of stuff too much i'm trying to think if there's anything i i like you'd really fuck with because no normally when people ask me for anime recommendations the ones they've seen are you know demon slayer mm -hmm. attack on titan um one punch man yeah shit like that jujutsu kaisen you know i i don't really get top fives like yours i like your top five i fuck with it like the ones that I've seen are good. The ones that I, anyways you mentioned that I've seen are really good. But I, I I can't really think of many that are too similar. Maybe the first one that comes to mind is one called Ergo Proxy. Have you, have you ever heard of that one? No, I haven't. Mm -mm. Um, so it's called Ergo Proxy. I'll put a GIF of it in the chat for you. One second. <laughs> okay. Just to give you an idea of what it's like. Yeah, that's Ergo Proxy. Um, that anime is like 15 years old or so. It came yeah. out around the same time as Death Note. I watched them back to back, this and then Death Note, and I liked them both so fucking much. Uh, it's a little bit different than most of the anime that I've watched, so maybe you'd enjoy that one. Okay. I don't think it's really too similar. Probably not the best recommendation, but I just remember watching this and Death Note back to back and really loving them both. They were the third and fourth animes I ever watched. Oh, wow. I remember. I remember my first word, Bleach. Oh, actually, no. It was they were number four and five. So it was Bleach, then Naruto, then Gurren Lagann, then this one, and then Death Note. So I remember my first five animes ever when I was a kid, and these are all the animes that got me into like all aspects of anime. So yeah, I, I would say this one kind of fits, kind of not really. It's like a distant cousin <laughs> to okay. what you were, to your top five. <laughs> Okay, so if you could recommend me two random ones, just not based off of this, just two more random ones. It could be two anything. random ones. Um. Okay, and if you like, do you like sports at all or not? Yeah. So I I love sports, but I don't watch very many sports animes because I think a lot of them are not as good. But the one that actually is done so fucking well, and really captures what sports are all about is Haikyuu. Oh, Haikyuu is fucking. It's absolutely god tier. It starts off kind of slow, 
and I really didn't like it at first, the first few episodes. I actually wanted to drop it because I didn't like the main character. But oh. then I realized after watching a few episodes, I was like, okay, this is actually pretty sick. It, I'm really glad I stuck with it because I was going to drop it. Um, so this is actually the anime that kind of changed my opinion on how long I should give things a chance for. Like if if it has if if an anime has really good ratings and it's well received by pretty much everyone and everyone's it's like super popular and you don't like it at first, um, I always give it a little bit more of a chance just in case because of this anime. Because a lot some animes have a really slow start. I think this is one of them. Just like Hunter X Hunter. So yeah, I definitely recommend Haikyuu. Okay. The best sports anime, without question. Um, it just takes a time, a little bit of time to get into. The other one I'd recommend. Shit, I'll go. I'll go with something that's still popular, not as, not as popular as like the mainstream ones, like Attack on Titan and Demon Slayer and JJK and stuff like that. I'll go with Jobless Reincarnation. Jobless Reincarnation. Yeah, here, I'll put that in the chat as well for you. And I'll show you a, a GIF so you can see what's going on. Um, one second. So here you go, that's Jobless Reincarnation. So this anime, it has some beautiful action scenes. Like the, the GIF I linked to you of the fight Man, is pretty ass. insane. Yeah, there's not too much action in this anime despite the incredible animation you're seeing. I know the viewers can't really see it. But for those who watch the show, no, it's it has some really cool fights and a crazy plot twist along with some beautiful animation in general. Although it does have kind of a fucked up main character. Okay. Um <laughs> not in the way you might be thinking. I, I mean that in like he's like actually by society standards, he's like fucked up. Like he's uh um I don't know if I can say this on the show. Well, but yeah, scumbag? Yeah. He's a scumbag? No, he's he's like an actual pedophile. What? <laughs> so there's there's a lot of controversy around this show because of that. Because basically it's the story of like a 40-year-old man who's a, a weirdo, he's a freak, he's an outcast in IRL. And he gets reincarnated into a different world as a little kid. And he's growing up as a little kid with the thoughts of a 40-year-old man. He's still what that same fuck? old man. And it's it's really fucked up in that sense and the show has a lot of controversy because of it um so for some people they immediately click off because of that but despite this despite how fucked up that is <laughs> it still has incredible ratings and it's wildly popular like that's how good it is people are willing to overlook that crazy bullshit of him being like genuinely fucked in the head uh to the point that they're still willing to watch the show so yeah it's it's yeah, I bet you weren't expecting that. No, I was not. <laughs> so, so yeah, he's one of the least likable main characters because of that. Obviously, I don't think anyone would like him, but the show in general is amazing. So I will say that. That is crazy. And I'm trying to think, has there ever... I guess, well, this one, they didn't go to that extreme, though. But Aang from Avatar, he was like hundreds of years old. But they didn't. They didn't really show. It wasn't nothing really strange about that, though. Not really. Oh yeah, true. I mean, that's because he's still a kid, you know. He was yeah. frozen in time for those years. <laughs> it's a little bit different. This one, it, this one is like, dude, you're a forty year old man just putting a six year old body, and you know, if you're having thoughts about 
little girls, you're fucked up. You deserve to be in prison. You deserve, I'll, people would say you deserve a lot more than just that. Yeah. And I'm inclined to agree. And so, yeah, it's, uh, that's fucked. It's a bit different. It's fucked. Like, if you tell somebody that, they're not going to watch the anime. Yeah. You know, but if you watch it, you, you know, that, you know, there's actually people defending it too, which is fucked up. They're saying like he's a little kid, but yeah, dude, he's not a little he's kid. He's not, bro. <laughs> what <different>. the fuck? <laughs> it's different. So it, it's really hard to like, it's hard to get over when you're watching it. But there are a handful of scenes where like he's just a weird pervert, and it's just uh, I can understand why I can make some people uncomfortable. But in, in Japan, it's different than the rest of the world with scenes like that. I don't know why, like the obsession of lollies and stuff like that. Yeah. I don't really understand it. That's I don't like watching animes with that kind of stuff. But this one is is not really how I'm describing. It's just a few fucked up scenes. Okay. You, I, I would definitely say you should give it a chance, though. Okay. Despite well, everything I'm telling you, definitely give it a watch. <laughs> when you said fucked up, I assumed like, like the main character in Seven Deadly Sins. He's pretty. He's pretty. He's a fucking scumbag. He's pretty fucked up. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of groping shit going on. But this guy, this guy is a fucking, he's a delinquent. This guy is a menace to society. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's it's a bit different. But I think the shock factor is a part of the reason why the show does so well. Because they, mm. they with the plot twist as well that they had, I'm not going to spoil it. I, I just sat there and I'm like, what the fuck? Like this, this anime just took a huge change in a different direction. Like and and I got, I was so excited I binge watched the rest of it that day the same day, okay like all of it. So when that plot twist came and it, the fucking moment happened, I thought it was like it just I don't know it was really cool. I don't I don't want to say too much about it because yeah. I don't want to say the wrong words. I feel like it'll spoil it. Okay, but yeah, it was pretty sick because it just came out of nowhere. It was a cool moment. Okay, I think about checking it out because in this GIF, this guy is whooping ass, man, with these swords. Oh yeah. So I think about checking it out. Um, yeah, don't, don't expect to watch it for fighting scenes, though. There's not too much fighting, but okay. the story is incredible. Like, the journey they go on is fucking sick. That's why I like it so much. Okay. So to get back on track a little bit, I want to know, what made you want to join Parallel? Oh, because they had an RC, man. They had a recruitment challenge. And I, I was coming back into the community. I wanted to make a name for myself. And I feel like, you know, Store and other teams offered me a spot. Obey offered me a spot as an editor as well. Well, Soar told me, I, like a lot of people in Soar told me they could get me in. They never officially offered me a spot. Um, but Obey did on the editing side and stuff like that. And I, I didn't want to just join a team based off my reputation, you know, for my past. When I came back from my absence of leaving phase and coming back into the community three, four years later, uh, I didn't want to just join a team based off reputation. I wanted to earn my spot in. So I did the RC, and I tried to make the best recruitment challenge video possible, and it did pretty well, and I got a lot of hype behind me, and uh, I felt like I earned my spot, you know? I really wanted to earn my spot and prove that I could do it, just like for something for myself. So yeah, I saw the opportunity. Parallel's a cool team. They had a lot of respect. Uh, there's, there's a team that like I was definitely interested in joining, and the RC just came at a perfect time. I'm like, oh yeah, let's make this happen. So yeah. Okay. I like the questions. You're hitting the stuff that I feel like is really cool and a part of me, like anime and all this stuff, old teams and history and memes. <laughs> so yeah, it's I'm a good like, interview, man. You came prepared. I'm glad you felt like that, bro. Because I like, I want my interviews to 
because I feel like it's hard to, from a supporter or fan's perspective, to view the person that they quote unquote love as a person. So I want to break people down as a person and show you that this is the person I'm talking to. This isn't just somebody who's super inaccessible. You know what I'm saying? Like mm. to break them down as a person so you can view them as a person. That's that's what I want to get across with my interviews. Um, yeah, that's dope. I love that. But bro, I seen a montage, bro, that you edited for Soar. This is before you joined Parallel. And I know you joined Soar about a month or two ago. I want to know, was there ever talks of you joining Soar back then? Back then? That was, dude, that was a long time ago when I edited for Soar. I don't think there was ever any talks or interest in me joining Soar back then because I used to be an Envy, right? Mm, okay. Um, so when I was in Envy, it was either Envy or Phase. Like my only logical progression was to join Phase if I could. So Soar was seen. If you're an Envy, joining Soar was seen as like, um, a downgrade. No, it wasn't seen as a downgrade. It was seen as like a parallel movement. You really? Know? Yeah, it, it was seen as like, even though Soar was so much more successful than Envy, at the time the way Envy was and like how rich and prestigious everyone thought we were and things like that people were like no if you're gonna leave envy you're gonna leave the joint phase and we had a lot of people like loams and dirty and uh editors um, that ended up joining phase like barker a lot of people from envy ended up joining phase directly you know and soar and envy were like gateway teams to phase yeah. yeah back in the day so a lot of people in envy saw soar as a sidestep not a step up the ladder so yeah, it never really crossed my mind back then. Even though I loved Soar, and for me personally, uh, I thought Soar was fucking sick, and like it, it definitely would have been a team I joined if I didn't like Envy. Like if Envy was treating me poorly or Envy was falling off or something like that, and I needed to do something, I would consider joining Soar if they if they'd have me. But at the time, definitely not as much interest. I think there was still some interest though. I don't remember. Like, I think I would have considered it. I wouldn't say no to them, obviously. Like, I wouldn't say no immediately. But I, I think I would have genuinely considered it. Yeah, Soar. I mean, I fucking love Soar, man. I was telling uh, in my interview with Fameful, like, I feel like Soar does not get, like, I don't know. I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like more people need to put some respect on Soar's name. That's what I said in my Fameful interview, too. It's yeah. just, I don't know. I, 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 I fucking love Soar, me personally. I mean, Soar has always been, like, one of the top teams. Like, no matter what, no matter what, which way you look at it, like, they've always been up there and had that respect. So, yeah, I mean, it's cool that I'm in sword today. Like, I've been treated really nicely from pretty much everyone on the team that I've met. Like, every single person is cool, but it's a much different team than it was today than it was eight years ago, you know? Yeah. The, the focus is all over the place, and everyone's thriving with content, and it's not just the sniping and trickshotting, so... It's yeah. cool. I wish I was part of Sword back then to experience it. It would have been cool, but yeah, it's still really cool today as well. So how did you come about joining Sword? Uh, they approached me. Crude and the other leaders uh, sent me a DM saying, hey, are you interested in potentially working for us? And you know, my streams, uh, I used to go from averaging almost 100 viewers for a few months in a row. And it deteriorated down to like 60 and 70 and then 50. And then I was hovering around a 40 average on Valorant for a while. And because I switched games and stopped streaming as much, my revenue 
was also falling as a result. So I used to have a thousand subs. It went down to like 700, then it went down to like 500, 400. And it wasn't enough to pay bills because that was my only source of income at the time. Like I had money saved up for my old job, which is the reason why I was able to stream in the first place and give it a chance for a while. But I realized, you know, I can't just keep streaming and dipping into my savings to pay rent. So Sora offered me a contract with a decent amount of money, enough to the point where I could use all the Sora money to pay all my bills, my rent, my phone, internet, TV, like Netflix, everything I wanted, and have some expenses left over for like other shit. So Sora covered me pretty much. Like they pay really well. They have like one of the things that crew told me is like, don't worry, we have money. Just tell me how much you want. I'm like, oh, okay. So I gave him, I gave him a, a number of how much money I wanted to make, and they're like, yeah, we could do that. I'm like, really? They're like, <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, okay, I'll fuck it, I'll do it. Why not? So I signed a six month contract, and I'm working for them now, making stable money, and uh, still streaming a handful of times a month. So way less viewers, but it's still really fun. And the people that come through are fucking sick. So, yeah, it's an opportunity I had to take to make some money and pay rent. Like, it, this is how it is. It's how life works. You know, I love to keep streaming. The reality is sometimes streaming can be volatile and you may not get that many viewers and it can be hard to grow. And, or you may lose motivation and I needed to break. So, it came at a perfect time. And that took advantage. <laughs> That's how I joined Soar. Okay. So, going back to what you said about the streaming, how, in what ways do you think streaming is volatile? Oh, because, dude, one month you could be averaging 100 viewers like I was, and the next month, if you don't stream or you switch games, you could dip in half or even less. Mm. And suddenly your income is cut in half. Your viewership, your motivation, uh, your future, all these things like come into question. And, you know, you could be really popping here and then suddenly everything's taken away from you in an instant like you, you can't take any breaks in streaming and you can't switch off of what's making you successful so if you're playing colder like i was and you switch off or you change your schedule or whatever suddenly you're going to lose a percentage of your viewership like for some people maybe that's only 20 percent if you switch games or if you switch time zones or if you stream less uh, but it can be a lot more and you know, during quarantine, which is where a lot of people grew, which is when I grew a lot and got Twitch Partner, uh, I took advantage of that heavily. And I knew it wasn't going to last. And now people are kind of realizing it and seeing it, or maybe they haven't realized it yet. But a lot of people are living normal lives now. They went back to their jobs, they're going outside, they're doing everything they used to before quarantine. And not many people are living on the internet or on their phone 24-7 anymore. So everyone's viewership Pretty, pretty much everyone's viewership is down, except for the few people that like really are uh, finding success and broke through. But that's a very small percentage of people. For most of us, the viewership has went down anywhere from like 10 to 50% since quarantine. So it's volatile in that way. Like one month, you'll be doing amazing. Then the next three months, you'll be doing horrible. Then maybe you'll have six good months of growth and then six months of like, shit, I can't pay my rent. You know, oh, wow. so it's 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 very difficult unless you're very established. If you're established, you don't have nothing to worry about. You can take days off. You come back. You have a thousand viewers. You're chilling. You don't have to worry about paying rent. But if you're if you're not averaging like 
75 100 plus viewers you're probably not making ends meet you can't live by yourself you need to live with your family or friends or have one room or pay really cheap rent like that's just how it is so in terms of how do i put this besides having a lot of viewers what's one way do you think somebody can make twitch streaming work like another way to add on to that um definitely take advantage of tiktok youtube shorts instagram reels and youtube like add every single form of content that they can because with me personally i just did really twitch that's it i, I had some tweets here and there to get some uh kind of following on twitter but the following from twitter to twitch doesn't really translate that well mm-hmm. like you see people with like five hundred thousand followers they promote their stream the tweet gets like 50 likes and they ended up only having like 50 to 100 viewers even though they have five hundred thousand people following them on twitter so twitter is not really the best place so i'd recommend i'd recommend people go into TikTok and shorts and instagram reels and youtube and try to carry that over onto twitch because you can you can make money off those things as well while also growing your Twitch. I think this guy's Toast and Ludwig mentioned this, if you know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, Twitch should be the last thing you do. Streaming should be the last thing you do. Because breaking into streaming as somebody who's not established anywhere else is almost impossible. The only way it's going to work is if you're doing something really innovative uh, or you're doing like a crazy big event or you're like an insanely skilled pro player or something like that that people want to click on like number one, like rank number one player. People will watch you. Even if you've never, if you don't have any presence on any socials, if you're ranked number one and people see you streaming, they'll click. Or if you're also like maybe really attractive, guy or girl, it doesn't matter. Um, if they see that you're a super attractive person, people will click. So without having those things like being really funny or innovative, creative, whatever, hosting a huge event or being insanely skilled or attractive, it's like impossible just to do Twitch alone. It's fucking, it's so difficult. So definitely, I'd recommend people do everything else. That's the way to grow. Okay. Um, bro, I seen bro. I don't know how you did this, but I seen there was two tweets from you that predicted that Scope was gonna join Phase from Phase Five. The first tweet said Scope is a hundred hundred percent joining Phase. Hashtag Phase Scope. If he doesn't win. Phase five, it'll eventually happen. But the real question is, who's next in line? Now, the second tweet was, I have a weird feeling more than one person will join phase today. And that was like the very last of the phase five. So how, how did you do that, bro? <laughs> how? I don't know. I just had a feeling, man. Like, it wouldn't make sense for them to do the phase five without recruiting scope. If they did, it would have been a massive fail. And they would have gotten a lot of backlash. And everything we knew about phase would have, you know, been thrown out the window like so i'm glad they <laughs> they proved me right but it's, it's just a gut feeling most of us had you know like everyone knew scope deserved a spot everyone wanted him in he was doing really well it was just a no-brainer for them to recruit him you know so i felt like those tweets were almost kind of obvious yeah that, that's a hell of a gut feeling i mean i yeah. i ain't gonna lie though i did the two people i wanted for sure, for sure, it was Scope, and the other one was Deb V, hundred percent. Oh yeah, Deb V as well. Yeah, yeah. I, I really, I really thought Deb V was also going to be one of those people that was next in line, you know. Mm-hmm. And I still, who knows? Maybe he still one day will be. But 
Yeah, I, I wish FaZe paid more attention to snipers, man. I'd love to see guys like Depfy, Rhyme, Zephy, and Bams join. Like, it'd be fucking sick to see more snipers on there and they remember their roots and kind of go back to it a little bit more. Oh, yeah, like Bams not joining. That was pretty fucked, too. I didn't understand that. Yeah, that, I, I that think... That was weird. You know, I think all the stuff happening with FaZe right now is incredible. Uh, the reason being, uh, it's the best case scenario for Bams. Because yeah. FaZe is trying to go, like, remember the OGs and mm -hmm. go back to their roots and stuff. And one of the first things they're probably talking about is picking up somebody from the sniping community. Or one of the first things maybe they will mention, if they're not talking about just purely OG content and stuff like that, if they want to go back to their recruits and win back the public, that would be the first thing I would do if I was a face, if I was a part of that discussion in face, is get Bams in. Because he's doing really fucking well. He's going to hit yeah. a million subs next year. Um, He's been wanting to join FaZe forever. It's just like a no-brainer like scope. So don't be surprised to see Bams in within the year. Absolutely, this year, 100%. Yo, my guy, pr fucking pride with the fucking predictions, bro. Dude, I feel like it's common sense for them. He has to join. Like, there's no way they just don't let him in. It just makes so much sense, you know? I'm, I'm calling it right here, man. And yeah. message me when it happens, okay? It'll happen <laughs> within the year. Before 2024, <laughs> it'll happen. That'll be or it'll happen when he gets a million subs. So around that time or or sometime this year. Absolutely. All right, let's go I ahead. hope they don't wait till he has a million. <laughs> yeah, that would be kind of yeah. sketch, but hashtag phase bams, wait. baby. Hashtag phase oh, bams. Yeah. Uh so this is like a two part question. I remember you saying you were gonna make a video about this. I don't know if you did. I, I don't think I found it in my mm -hmm. research. What was it like? being in phase and what made you want to come back to youtube after taking a step back well i don't know if i ever made a video about that i think you're right um but being in phase was really cool it was a dream of mine that i had i always wanted to reach the top i felt like they were tip of the mountain you know so uh it, it was really cool being a part of phase and seeing how things work behind the scenes it wasn't exactly like i thought it would be but it was still a pretty cool organization and i got a lot of exposure from it and it was crazy seeing like i, I go on my youtube channel like oh i gained 100 subs today i, I didn't do anything <laughs> i log in the next day i didn't upload oh another 35 subs okay cool i didn't post for like two months then i go on twitter plus 45 followers like oh well that's sick then the next day i wake up plus 33 like damn that's a lot of followers just for being on the team yeah you know it, every day was like that for a year like it was insane, so it it was really cool seeing how much exposure, uh, Phase got you back then. It was much different back then than it was now, because every everyone got views and followers back then. But yeah, it, it was sick being a part of it during that time. And the other question was, what made me want to leave? Was that it? No, the the second question was, what made you want to come back to YouTube after taking a step back? Oh, to come back. I felt like I had some unfinished business, you know, and I, I had some experience working in the real world. Real world, I did customer service, I did sales, I did some coaching, I did some editing work as well. And, you know, I always wanted to do something gaming related for a living. And I'm like, you know what? I have some money saved up. I, I have an opportunity to really commit like two years to this without having to worry about my financials. Uh, so I'm going to give it a shot. I'm going to see if I can make something out of this. And somehow, miraculously, I got Twitch partner. And then I ended up 
having a few really successful months. Like my best month was 1,500 subs on Twitch, which is really cool. And, you know, it turns out maybe I had some kind of feature in this all along. So it was, it was really the, the aspect, the idea of, of me having a chance to make it, you know, cause I had the, I had the following in the past for being in phase and stuff like that. So I thought maybe I could give it a shot and see how well I could do. That's fire. So what, how did, cause I remember seeing the video basically of banks recruiting you to soar. I mean, excuse me, to phase. Mm -hmm. What did you join phase for? I joined as an editor. Okay. editor. Okay. Yeah. So I mainly edited montages for them. It was different back then. They had a roster for editors and I was, uh, on the roster of seven. Okay. Just edit montages. That's it. <laughs> I, I wish I wish I stayed because if I ended up staying and made my own content, I could have had a lot more success. Mm -hmm. So that's a big regret I have. But yeah, it's still pretty cool. That's crazy that you say that because literally my next question is I remember it says I remember hearing you say that you would do a lot of things differently. What's some things that you regret doing and what are some things that you're happy that you did? Now, some of the things you regret doing, you already said, um, was basically um, basically not focusing on yourself with the skies thing. Yeah. And like you just said, um, leaving phase without like making content, you know what I'm saying? So what what are some things that you're happy that you did? I'm definitely happy that I grinded out some montages to meet their deadlines because uh i would have either gotten replaced or maybe they wouldn't have done it as well but i didn't put that much work into them so by, by grinding grinding i mean like i'm happy i put so much work into them like pomages videos for example because i got a lot of recognition from those and that really helped me uh, get to where i am and also a few videos for phase like that i did for dirty or loams or whatever uh, I, i'm really i don't regret the amount of work i put into most of the videos i did but there's definitely some that I do. <laughs> so I, I would, that's like a, a positive and a negative. There's some videos I'm really proud of uh, that I wouldn't change at all. And there's some videos I definitely wish I could go back and redo. And I regret how poor those edits were. So it, it goes both ways. Um, but yeah, my, my, a lot of my regrets revolve around that. Like how much work I put into things and how, how many ideas I had that I never brought to life like i have a list of like over 100 ideas that i just Jeez. i just never did anything with and i still have a lot of ideas for twitter and stuff like that that i haven't done because you know i'm just lazy or i'm busy or something like that or you know i'm dealing with stuff so yeah it's hard for me to want to do it you know i gotta trick my brain into wanting to do it somehow mm -hmm. and so I, I envy the people that are able to upload and post consistently and regularly and just push through it I wish I could be like that, but not everyone has the the same mentality. And it's kind of hard to get into. Like streaming was one thing that helped me get into that mentality, like streaming every day. Because I really enjoyed it. It was it didn't feel like a job. It just felt like, you know, something fun. It's refreshing as a hobby. It's exciting. So thank God for streaming, because I wouldn't have any work ethic if it wasn't for that. <laughs> when it comes to other things related to content creation, I guess interesting i remember you saying it was in a stream i remember you saying that you basically doubt you'll ever be able to join phase again why why did you say that 
Oh yeah, because I had my time in phase, and the time was two and a half years as an editor. So they only see me as an editor right now. I don't think I'd ever be able to make it in phase because the the reason is I'd have to be very successful as a content creator. Like I'd have to average hundreds of views on Twitch, or like you've seen Bams. Bams is doing so well on YouTube and Twitch, and he's still not in. Yeah. I'd have to be basically that successful but maybe even more so because I already was in phase and I left. So maybe there's still some sort of negative feeling around that. Um, and I, I don't think they'd want somebody back who just left the team like that. You know, I was given an opportunity. I did an okay job. I didn't do the best job. I could have done a lot better with my time in phase. So for that reason, I, I don't, I don't think they would want to give me another chance. You know, or if, if I, if I made it in, it would take a lot of work. For me to get to that point to even be considered like more than the normal the normal person so yeah and like just how you're saying with bams bams works fucking hard bro and yeah there's a lot of other people who work very very hard and they really dedicate their life to this and they just non-stop just grind grind go 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 i say that to say that um and i'm always going to preach this thought however long i'm going to be on the internet but always make sure to like take breaks from social media. I'm not talking about like huge breaks, but you know, take mm. a little, you know, take a little time off, you know, take a little time off, get yourself right mentally, get yourself right spiritually, you know, just because social media can be very, very draining. And, um, Oh yeah, definitely. I think being on the internet, you should do whatever it takes to make sure that you're healthy in that regard, you know? Oh, absolutely. I entirely agree. Um. Oh, I remember in your in your chat, um, we were kind of talking about like religion and God, and I don't know if you remember remember this, but one of the questions I asked you is, if God came down to Earth and told people that they were that He was God, would the majority of people listen? And you basically said like, you know, if God came down here like Thanos snapping shit out of existence, people will listen. Now, yeah. <laughs> what would you do if God came down here and said playing video games are bad? Would you stop? Hey, if somebody came down from the sky or teleported <laughs> into thin air in front of me and told me to stop playing video games uh, for whatever reason and had all this power, like I could end your life with a snap of my fingers or whatever, and he told me this is bad, don't do it, I'd listen. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it, I, obviously, I would miss video games, but if if there was a higher entity and they, they came down to Earth and God is real, I'm not saying he's not. Yeah. Um, I, I'm 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 not a I'm not a Christian or anything or a believer or any kind of religion, but I'm also not an atheist. Mm -hmm. I do believe something exists, something or someone. I I just I don't practice religion though. Yeah. So, but if there was a surefire way or a surefire proof. That God does exist, and He was in front of my face. I would absolutely listen, and I'd, I'd be religious at that point. I think, I think almost everyone would, man. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like if some fucking mystical being comes down and claims to be God and has all this power, like holy shit, yeah, I think a lot of people would listen. <laughs> and not to get into like no Joe Rogan trippy shit, but yeah. I'm the same way too. Like I, I don't really, I'm not a Christian. I'm more so like on the I don't want to say spiritual side. I just believe in a higher, 
the, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the almighty way. creator, the person that created everybody and everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to get into when are we going to see, can, oh, I know you say you've been busy with sore and stuff like that, but when do you think we're going to be able to see like more consistent pride YouTube videos? Oh, that's a good question. Uh, sometime towards the end of this year, maybe. Okay. So it'll, it'll take a long time. But with Soar, one of the main reasons I took the opportunity to edit for them was to kind of get a feel for YouTube and see what works and what doesn't. And also to learn from their creators because they have a lot of successful creators with over 100,000 subs. I kind of wanted to pick their brain and, you know, figure out what they do for thumbnails, for content, like all, all the little details. So I'm kind of learning every video I do of what makes a good video and looking at their retention and like the numbers and statistics and all that stuff. And kind of using it as a trial run. Because when I'm done this six months, what's going to happen is I'm likely uh, not going to get another contract. Um, and I'll likely be on my own. So I'm probably going to focus on myself and take everything I learned and bring it over to my YouTube and TikTok and give it a shot right there. Because I've also been learning a lot from watching Mr. Beast and hearing him on podcasts oh, yeah. and other creators and like hearing what they have to say about YouTube. And these guys have it all figured out, man. And I think I'm slowly getting to that point. I think it'll take me, you know, a bunch more videos of practice and some more research. But I think eventually I could be a good YouTuber with some of the ideas that I have. I don't want to say them because I don't want anyone to get any ideas. One of the advice they said is don't tell people your ideas. Just do them and talk about them. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, I'm just going to be quiet and uh, put my ideas to motion because I have a few that I think will will do really well. And uh, that's that's months down the line. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that that's probably when I'll start. Maybe if I had to say when I'll really start doing YouTube, is at least a minimum six months from now. Okay. So it'll take a while. Okay. For everybody listening, I'm gonna link down the uh, Mr. Beast did an interview with Lex Friedman, amazing interviewer, somebody I study, and Mr. Beast gave a lot of jewels in that interview. I'm, I don't know if you've seen that. I'm pretty sure you have seen that one, Pride. Yeah, I've seen parts of it. Yeah, and I didn't watch the whole thing. But... Amazing interview. I'm going to link that down below for anybody who may want to be a content creator and want to get into this. Um, mm -hmm. Now, what do you think are some of the big three dif differences of the community now versus back then? I think the biggest one would be how tight-knit and real people are with each other, I guess. Now, every... Now it seems like everyone is kind of looking out for themselves and their content and how things benefit them. Whereas opposed to back then, it was, you know, let's six man, let's have fun. We're just going to play games, try to hit clips. And no one was really making content. Well, not as many people were making content. But once that shift happened and people realized you can make money with content and streaming, a lot of people focused more on themselves and actually like just playing and hanging out with their friends, you know? So it's it's kind of sad seeing how little time YouTubers and streamers, like successful ones, spend time with their friends. Like it's it's a lonely lifestyle for a lot of people behind the scenes, and the ones that can balance it, they're doing really well. Like props to them. But a lot of the YouTubers I know behind the scenes, they're very lonely people. Yeah. Like they don't have as many friends as you think. Like they have a lot of friends, yeah, sure. Like everyone wants to be your friend when you're successful. But how many real friends they have, you can 
count them on one hand. And it, it would be nice to be able to count that, you know, like it expands beyond your fucking hands, like the number at least. Yeah. So it, it's that's that's one of the big things I noticed. Everyone was way more friendly with each other back then, and it was real. It was genuine. It's uh, a lot different now. It's a bit more fake, I guess. And people use each other to climb the ladder, and you know, network and so and so. Yeah. I mean, it's part of the game. I get it. It's it's the same thing everywhere with work. And just gaming, it it's it sports, it, it goes everywhere. Yeah, That's the big thing I noticed. The scene is it's made so many just different changes. I can't even really predict. I don't know, I can't even I don't know, it's like a I don't know, I don't even know what to say to that question that I just asked you. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean it's a tough question. And there's been a lot of changes since like ten years ago. Yeah in the gaming community, but I'd say that's the biggest, most noticeable one, for sure. I'd be wondering, more people are trying to treat this as a job than actual just having fun. Yeah, there, yeah, because there's a lot of money involved, yeah? Yeah, it's way different now. Money changes people, man. Changes everything. Sometimes I'd be wondering, like, if if COD is ever going to be, like, 100% VR-compatible type shit. Oh, man, I really, I really hope the VR guys figure it out. And they make games that everyone wants to play. Like VR is cool. Like don't get me wrong, it's sick. Like there's some really incredible stuff being done with VR right now. But they haven't really hit that super mainstream gaming okay. community yet, you know? Yeah. Like there's no million people playing Call of Duty on fucking VR or the equivalent of Call of Duty on VR yet. Uh so when when that day comes, which I hope comes in the next ten years or so, and VR takes a leap, which it really needs to take a leap. With the graphics and like functionality, mm-hmm. I think gaming will be fucking incredible, man. Like I, I love to play COD in VR, <laughs> like a real COD, and it feels good. It's smooth, not clunky. They figured out all the kinks. Like that would be dope, man. That's the future, but it's it's a distant future, <laughs> sadly. Yeah, Sly canceling in COD <laughs> VR sounds crazy. Oh yeah. Um, speaking of like VR and shit, how do you? about like the metaverse being a thing the metaverse what do you what do you mean by metaverse which, which kind of metaverse are you talking about okay so like basically basically like vr but you spawn into a game like you spawn into a simulation type of thing have you seen oh, the, the movie wait, Ready Player hold, hold. One? <laughs> uh say that again so like have you seen the movie ready player one uh, i think so yeah the the gaming went like a little kid or not nah? Uh, he's kind a little of, kid in space commanding an army or something like that. Is that it or not? Oh yeah, no, 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 no. no. So, okay. Ready Player One is basically this guy basically puts on a VR basically, and he spawns into a whole another world. There's money in that world, and it's like a real life thing. Like it's it's a simulation basically. Oh, so you're asking what my thoughts are on that being a possibility? Yeah, that'd be sick. I would love to live in a different world, even through VR. Like I, that, I think that'd be if VR is able to accomplish that. And have a world similar to ours, or actually, well, probably way different than ours, mm-hmm. that people could, you know, go in on a regular basis and have a currency and goals and superpowers and stuff like that. It didn't feel as much of a game as it did real life. That that'd be sick. Yeah, that should be crazy. Like a, I think it'd be cool. Yeah. Have you seen anime Sword Art Online? Yeah, that that's the first thing that came to mind. Like I, I love to like live in that. something like that, man. 
that would be crazy, bro. Shit. Oh yeah. That'd be fucking amazing. I think that's everyone's dream, man. Like everyone who's seen that anime has has thought about that at one point. Yeah. <laughs> it's so cool. The thought of the metaverse kind of scares me a little bit, but it, it seemed like it would be cool. It just I don't know, it's like it's scary how far that it can go. But uh I have literally like four more questions for you, Pride, before I get into mm. my quick thirty-three question segment of the podcast. This is a tweet from you. It says I need your help. I want to do a series called The History of Blank, detailing an influential person in our scene, their beginnings, breakthroughs, interviews, and where they are in life now. If you could choose one person, player or editor, to focus on, who would it be? Now I say that to ask, who would you choose to do that on? Man, who would I choose? I'd love to do that series on Reaps. I Reaps. Okay. You know, the they made a bunch of crazy montages. Some people think it's one person, some people think it's two or three or multiple. Or whatever but i'd really love to have an interview with the people behind that account or the person because not not everyone knows for certain i mean yeah, there's a few people who claim to know and there's a few people who actually know but it, it would be cool to unravel the mystery like know with certainty like this is the person behind that account and the decisions on why they made their identity so private and why they did certain things like it, it would be really cool to make the documentary about Ireeps and the past and the history behind, you know, the person that not very many people know about. Like there's no personality behind them. It's just the person making montages. Yeah. And every montage has like millions of views. Like it'd be cool to talk about Ireeps, I'd say. Yeah, I'd love to do one on like you know who the Rad Brad is? Uh no, I don't actually. He's like a walkthrough YouTuber. I think he has like twelve million subscribers. Been doing it since Damn. like he started from Call of Duty too. And oh, that's sick. I would love to do one on him or like Banks or some shit. That would be super fire. Banks would be cool too. Yeah, that'd be a good one. I want to ask you where do you see the COD community in 10 years? 10 years. Wow. I, I see COD dipping off a little bit. Like, I mean, it has such a large following with millions of people buying the game every year. I still think it'll be successful, but I, I think there'll be a moment when people realize, like, okay, COD is cool and all, like, it's, it's great, but there's so many other games that are fucking incredible. And I don't know when that year will come, but there'll be a year COD goes from, like, I don't know, 6 million sales to 3 million. Like, it'll still do really well, mm-hmm. but it'll start triggering the downfall. And I think that year will come in the, sometime in the next 10 years. And wow. that, that's why I'm trying to, like, make sure I diversify my gameplay and my content. I'm playing everything. I played a little bit of Valorant. I played CSGO, Overwatch, other games, like fucking Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> so I think gaming, if you want to make it as a streamer or content creator, you should focus on entertaining as many people as you can. And if you stick to this one game like COD, which can flop at any given time, if they make a bad COD, you're stuck with it for a year or two. Yeah. And like, what are you going to do then? Like I see people taking breaks, like not uploading at all. They're demotivated, like they're losing viewers, they're not growing. It sucks, you know. So I'm worried COD will go down in a bad direction. I mean, it'll still probably do well. By bad direction, I mean like it'll go from 10 million sales to like three million. Yeah. It'll still be it'll still be around. It's never gonna leave us. I just think it'll fall off a little bit. Okay. 
So yeah, I'll be playing other games. I, I hope I'm still not playing COD 10 years from now. If I am, they've done a fucking amazing job. That's all I gotta say. <laughs> They're doing all the right things. I love the honesty in that answer. Yeah. Um, I ask everyone this who comes on my podcast, where do you see yourself in five to ten years? In five to ten years, where where I want to be is I want to be super successful doing this full time. By then, I'd have a face reveal, and I'd be making content full time. That's where I I'd like to see myself. Um, but reality might be different. Maybe I go back into working. Uh, I can go back into sales. Maybe I pick up coaching again, or I go into real estate. Or there's so many different things I could do. I was even thinking about taking some some of the Google courses and getting certified working in it or something so mm-hmm. i mean i really don't know where the future is like it really depends a lot on the next two years i'd say if i'm able to make any noise in the content scene or streaming world in the next two years it, honestly it could be exactly two years from today mm-hmm. who knows it could be never uh, if i'm able to get a lucky breakthrough through hard work and some creative ideas i have or anything like that uh, i'll keep doing it if not, I'm probably going to have to focus on going back to work to pay bills because my savings can only last so long, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So we'll see. Yeah, this is a um, a quote from me. The grind is as real as it is delusional. Sometimes uh, yeah. this shit isn't, you know, you have to be a little delusional in order to really get there, bro. Like, you know, the grind is as real as it is delusional. Yep, exactly, man. I think a lot of people also are delusional with like the success they think they can get at a quick rate when it comes to this stuff as well. Like people think they can just post content regularly and they're going to be famous and they're going to make a living off it. Like no, that's not how it works. Yeah, no. <laughs> like you, you need to make good content. You need to post regularly. You need to have connections, network yourself. You need to actually be interesting and stand out. Like, and you need to get a bit of luck too. Yeah, luck. Like, there's just yeah. so much involved, man. Like you could do all the right things and still not get anywhere. So a lot of people think they could just, it's easy and you, anyone can do it. But the reality is far more different. Like you don't hear about the people that have failed doing streaming and content creation. Go to, go to the just chatting category or Call of Duty or Valorant or CSGO or any big game and sort by lowest viewers and look how many people have one, two, three viewers. Yeah. It's so fucking many people, man. And you don't hear about those people that don't make it. Where they fail so it's a lot harder than a lot of people give it credit for yeah for everybody listening uh if you really want to do this find something that's your passion remember my mom she told me uh you can find your passion by finding what's something that you're willing to do for free for the rest of your life that's your passion if you're willing to do that shit with no money no pay then that's your passion find something like that to where because me i i'm like you know I, I'm optimistic, but I'm also a realist, and mm-hmm. this is this is a hobby for me. I just genuinely love talking to people, interviewing people, getting to know people. Like, but I'm gonna go to school for psychology, and I, that kind of plays into like me getting to know people and shit. Like, you know, but do something that is your passion. You know, that's one thing I can oh, say to people. Um, this is the Absolutely. very last question before I get into my 33 question segment of the podcast. Now, this mm-hmm. isn't really a question. This is more so like. Because I know you're you're fucking crazy with the predictions, dog. So, <laughs> do you have a prediction in esports that you think might come true, like something super specific? 
esports or just the gaming oh, world man. like our world the esports gaming organization world see i i don't follow esports as much like i keep up with the occasional stuff from valorant and so on i don't keep up with call of duty esports at all okay um cs a little bit here and there not as much as i used to so when it comes to esports i don't really have any concrete predictions unfortunately okay just the gaming world that... in general <laughs> A prediction for the gaming world. Oof, man. Can I get a minute's thing on this? <laughs> sure, 100%. Well, actually, let, let me ask you. Do you have any predictions while I, I think of my answer? I do, yeah, I do. What, what would yours be? Uh, and again, I've these questions are old that I'm at. Well, some of them I added, they're new. But my answer has been in my notes for a very, very long time. So basically, if phase is currently the PewDiePie of the gaming world in terms of success, then energy is going to be Mr. Beast. I think energy is going to be the biggest, most successful gaming organization in our scene. That's, that's a good prediction, honestly. Energy's like, if you look at it. Energy's YouTube channel, mm-hmm. I remember seeing a post about it, like all of their recent videos have what over a hundred thousand views and I'm going there right now oh, actually they i think they deleted a few videos but uh yeah for the for the most part they do really well and they, and they got the right content creators like they, they always pick up people that fit their brands and also have a lot of uh, traction behind them so i think energy is a, a perfect work to get behind so yeah I, I agree with you they're gonna do really well i don't know how well but i think they'll be around for a long time they're not mm-hmm. gonna be in work that will die out or have to do many layoffs in the future. I, I think I have a prediction for myself, man. I think okay. I got one. And just to, in a general sense, I think the gaming world, I, I think a lot more game companies like Call of Duty actually meant, started doing this year, is they're going to go away from making games that last only a short amount of time and they're going to try to make them more like Fortnite and CS and League and Valorant. Mm. Games that can really last 10 plus years you know i I think developers are going to start figuring out well not maybe it's not the developers because most of the time they don't have much say i think rather the the companies behind the developers are gonna yeah are gonna realize like gaming is meant to be fun and i think there'll be a resurgence in gaming although it might take a few years by resurgence i mean like people will make games for the right reasons it'll be purely for fun like for the the players to enjoy and to really experience different worlds and fun gameplay without any of this other weird hidden agenda stuff from the companies behind it, like microtransactions being shoved down your throat by certain companies yeah. and all this stuff. I, I think, I mean, actually, I think it'll go one or two ways. It'll go exactly the way I'm saying it, and games will be made. Like It'll go back a little bit, back in time, purely for fun, for people to enjoy. Or it'll go even further down the route it's currently going and they'll try to capitalize even more so off the money they can make like they'll like i I hate seeing games come out that are 70 dollars, and they have in-game purchases on top of that like just constantly there's so many games doing that and i think people will realize the free-to-play model is really good like with cs2 coming out it's free to play uh or i i believe it is at least i know for people who own csgo it is League of Legends free, Valorant free. I think Fortnite free. I think in the future we'll see a lot more free games that everyone can play that are accessible 
and they they make their money through microtransactions. I I, I would like that personally. Because free games are great. They always do well yeah. if they're taken care of properly. But yeah, I, I think gaming will go one or two directions, the extremes of either of those sides. Either more money hungry or more for fun and for the purists and people who really enjoy video games. So yeah, that, that's within that's in many years though. It, it it won't be instant. It'll take like ten plus years to see that come into effect. So you might have to wait on that prediction. But yeah. <laughs> oh, well, I, I love that. I love that answer that you gave. Yeah. Okay, so for everybody listening, this is the very very last segment of my podcast called Thirty Three Questions, where I ask the guests thirty three random questions, and they have to answer it as quickly and as truthfully as possible. Are you ready, Pride? <laughs> yeah, sure. All right. Question number one, on a scale one through 10, one being not confident and 10 being super confident, how confident are you in surviving inside of the world of Attack on Titan? Ooh. In Attack on Titan? Damn. Depends on how much I know. If, 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 I'm, if I'm in the military, probably eight or a nine. If I'm not, a three or four. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a go-to drink with your meal? I like anything fruit punch. Can you play any instruments? None. What instrument would you like to learn how to play? Piano or guitar. Do you think COD will ever fall off? Yes, but not that much. If you had to choose, would you rather smile when angry or smile when sad? Oof. Smile when angry. What career or occupation do you find fascinating, but you'd never do? Oh, man, these are good questions. Damn. Can I get a second to think on that? Or or do I have to answer them all immediately? How much time I got, man? (laughs) As much time as you need. (laughs) A career that's fascinating that I would never do? Mm -hmm. Damn. I, I really don't have one, honestly. Okay. Yeah, can I get a pass on that one? You sure can. Yeah, okay. What would you add to COD? Uh, consistent ranked game modes like they did with the thing currently. It'd be in there as a permanent staple from day one. Do you have a favorite video game? Yeah, I'd say Call of Duty. <laughs> Modern Warfare 2 specifically. Would you rather be a stick of deodorant or a bar of soap? Stick of deodorant. Bar of soap goes anywhere. Deodorant just goes between the armpits. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, bro. That's, that's my answer yep. to that shit, too. <laughs> if you had to watch a horror movie, what movie are you watching? I haven't seen very many horror movies, but I like the Saw series. That's crazy, because the first Saw is one of my favorite horror movies ever. That's crazy that you said that. Yeah, the, some of the only few that I like, so, yeah. If it was up to you, would you make water free? Yes, absolutely. Do you have an animated cartoon crush? Uh, not really. No, I I've never really liked that kind of stuff. People people always think I do, but I don't. <laughs> it's just because I like anime. Yeah. What? <laughs> what animated character would you like to slap the shit out of? The main character of Jobless Reincarnation. <laughs> yeah, that's a good answer. I'd say Tachi yeah. from Naruto. Oh yeah, I can yeah. see that. 
who's someone in the COD community that you'd like to see to come back? Loems, definitely. What smaller team do you think is up and coming right now? Smaller team. Oof. I don't know, honestly. I don't I don't really follow too many small teams, so I can't give you an answer on that. Do you think love outweighs hate? No. It can and it should, but I think the reality is hate is a lot is a much more easier emotion to feel. And more people feel hate and anger. And it spreads quicker. So yeah, I'd like love to be the answer, but the reality is that it's not. Would you rather be a dresser or an entertainment set? A dresser? I'd rather be an entertainment set. Would you rather be a radio or a speaker? A radio. Have you ever cried while watching a movie? Yes. Is there a video game that you were excited for but never came out? There's a video game I was really disappointed for that was never like fully finished. It's called Anthem. It sucked. <laughs> so basically, yeah, Anthem. <laughs> if you're com comfortable answering this what's a memory that makes you smile every time you think about it a memory that makes me smile uh, there, there was a time where I was with my basketball team and we were doing layup lines getting ready for our game and a guy I talked about, I talked about this on stream yesterday a guy randomly walks past us wearing a do-rag and my team is like oh wave check wave check and the guy's all shy, and everything's like a 25-year-old man. And he had this do-rag on, and he's like, nah, y'all ain't really going to make me show my waves, right? And everyone started, like, chanting, wave, check, wave, check, like my whole team of, like, 14-year-old kids. And the guy starts taking his do-rag off, like he gave in, and then he shows the cleanest set of waves we've ever seen in our lives. And my whole entire team started jumping around, going crazy, freaking out. And the audience saw there's, like, 100-plus people in the audience. They were all they all saw as well and they they were looking over at us to see what was happening and everyone just started laughing and everyone was smiles and that guy dude that guy probably had the best day of his life because literally everyone in the gym was like damn you know <laughs> it, was, it was just a good moment it was it was so random and unexpected i've never seen anything happen like that so yeah i put a smile on everyone's face i bet he probably still thinks about that shit, honestly because I, I do occasionally <laughs> <laughs> do you have a favorite pair of shoes uh yeah, I used to have some Iversons back in the day, Allen Iverson basketball shoes. Long time ago. If you had to bathe with hand sanitizer or red wine, which one are you choosing? <sighs> the fuck? Red wine. <laughs> hand sanitizer would be weird. It's gonna burn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think red wine would be okay. <laughs> have you And ever... I could drink it if I'm clean. Sorry, go on. <laughs> Have you ever deliberately broken an item that didn't belong to you? Deliberately? Ooh, no, never on purpose. If you could fly and were able to breathe in space, would you attempt to leave and never come back? Yes. What did you eat for breakfast, lunch, and dinner yesterday? Literally nothing. I fasted. I, I okay. intermittent fasted. Yeah. Okay. What's your go-to dessert? Brownie. Would you rather be a citywide toxic chemical spill or a citywide extremely polluted tap water? Chemical spill. What's your favorite time of day? Wait, hold on. Let me go back. Is chemical spill the right answer there? So I, I thought about it, and tap water can affect like more people because other people can drink the tap water. But chemical spill will be way worse for people. It can actually kill people. 
faster than polluted water, I think. So maybe I'll go with water. I think it would kill less people. Anyway, next question. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, no, I like how you went back to that. It's all perspective. And I think yeah. that you trying to choose the most least harmful answer is the right answer. Yeah. Um, what's your favorite time of day? In the afternoon when the sun's going down. Sunrise or sunset? Sunset. If you had zero weapons, do you think you could survive an attack by 15 domesticated cats? Yes. For the very last question, if you could say anything to the entire world and they had to listen to what you said, what would you say? Man, that's a good question. Damn. I it, My answer for this wouldn't be something I could think of in five seconds. <laughs> going to be honest. But definitely my answer would revolve around being spread love more than you spread hate. And try to remember you only have one life and other people are greatly affected by what you do and the choices you make, whether you like it or not. Uh, so try and treat other people with respect always because you don't know what other people are going through. You don't know what kind of day they had or what kind of upbringing they had. So little acts of kindness can go a long way and just you know, try to be a good person. You'll make the world a better place. You, know, you, you help one person out, maybe that person's life changes significantly just from that one interaction and they remember you. And they can help out a lot of people in their lifetime as well. So yeah, definitely spread love, kindness, and try to hide all of your negative emotions and deal with them privately and not spread that to other people and just keep the world a positive, happy place as much as it can be. So obviously not everyone can be happy constantly yeah. and it'll be forced and it'll be bad. But just in general, try to keep your negative stuff out of the public and make the world a better place as much as you can. Yeah, man, that was an amazing answer. That's, you know, that would be a part of my, um, what I would say too. make love, man, make love, make positivity, um, more unity, you know, exactly. everybody from all creeds, all walks of life, all classes, quote unquote, classes of life need to all come together and be one. And I think a lot of stuff could get done for the more positive aspect of everybody's lives. Um, dude, the way you said that just reminded me like I'm, I'm watching a show about aliens um i forgot what it's called but it's on apple tv and it, basically the whole human race united when aliens attacked and i'm like man it, it would take a fucking alien attack <laughs> for us to all finally be united and realize we're all humans it's a damn you know? shame like i, I kind of low-key i wish aliens do come some weak-ass aliens that we <laughs> could defeat easily <laughs> you know so the world is united and we win <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that would change things for the better, maybe, you know. So, just a fun little thought. Um, speaking of Apple TV, you need to watch the show, bro. Called I think it's called Severance on Apple TV. Oh, I heard about that. It's on my list. Amazing show, ten out of ten, dog. I fucking love that show. Yeah, I watched a show called C recently. I don't know if you've seen that one on there no, with I Jason Momoa. That shit's crazy. It's about everyone in, in the world that's blind, every single person, and they've yeah. been living that way for five hundred plus years. And finally, a kid is born with eyes, like vision. And it, it's just crazy how much power you have in a world where you're the only person that can see. So yeah, it's a wow. really interesting show. would recommend it. All right, I'm going to definitely check that out. That sounds interesting. Yeah, um, but for everybody listening, thank you guys for listening to this interview. This is kind of a long one. Um, this I genuinely love this conversation. I just got to... Oh, by the way, before I get into that, did you like the 33 question segment? Did you like that? Or? Yeah, the 33 questions was fire, man. 
Like, dude, I, I think you should have a segment like that in the beginning, middle, and end, bro. Like, just to mix things up. Like, that'd be sick. Yeah. Like, just rapid fire. Maybe some yes or no ones as well. <laughs> okay. that, that's, that's fire. I love that's that. It's uh, a good idea. Thank you. I may, that segment was yeah. so sick. I'm glad you enjoyed that, though, bro. I, I'd be worried if people were enjoy that in our... Because it's, like, weird questions. And I like, again, my job as an interviewer is to break the person down as a person and show you who you who they are in their mind yeah, and i'm big into psychology like i said i'm going to school for psychology and the most 33 random questions that seem like doesn't mean anything says a lot about a person so um oh yeah but uh yeah for everybody listening up really do hope you guys appreciate and love this interview with pride man this has been in the works for a long time when he was still in parallel so it's cool to have him on uh Again, the first person I ever had on was somebody in Sore, Sore Zeppi. And now I have fucking Sore Pride for the third person. Had a fameful on. Um, before I do the outro to the podcast, is there anything you want to say to the people listening, Pride? Uh, nothing else, really. I mean, I'm sorry I talked so much, man. I gave you a long-ass interview, a lot to edit. Yeah, <laughs> I hope no, it's not too good. bad. You're good. <laughs> it was a good conversation, though. I enjoyed it. Some pretty awesome questions. And uh, I hope everyone listening, whoever's still listening, I hope you enjoyed it as well. I hope you guys take care of yourselves and uh, yeah, have a good day, everyone. You heard it here uh, first, everybody, man. Uh, amazing interview. Pride, 10 out of 10 human being. Um, yeah, man, this is this is really cool. Like, I'm still tripping off of I'm really interviewing fucking Pride, Skies yeah. of that, bro. This shit's fucking dope interview, man. I'm glad you liked it, bro. This shit is fucking crazy but for everybody listening i'm gonna leave all of pride's links down below leave swords links down below um yeah if you like interviews with underground artists content creators inventors game developers i'm your guy make sure to follow me on all platforms obscure image podcast the most obscure podcast in the world yeah man it's your boy make love your boy pride we're out peace peace